episode 46. Episode 46. Right? Yeah, this this show is significantly older than you and Paris Hilton. Not that much. We're older getting real close to 50. Yeah. On the bright side, this show is aging faster than you. Does that make you feel better about yourself? Yeah. Excellent. We'll get to episode 100 long before you get to 50. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Here's the good question. Which one do you think will die first? <laughs> well, the, prob- the problem is, if it's you, the show also dies. Yeah. Yeah. It goes you first and, and then the show it on. shortly afterwards. Carry well, it on and all the proceeds will go to pay for my funeral. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we funeral. can do like a bonus episode where we weekend at Bernie's, you. <laughs> I think well, we, Dan likes it too. He's no, I think we all know that we get Dan cremated and then we scatter his ashes into an Arcadia Quest box. <laughs> <laughs> Spread my ashes in this office. Yeah, that'd be great. I can't wait. I can't wait to have your ashes just like pressed into a meeple. <laughs> fun yeah just have a mount just have a mixed with a resin well that's you know what's funny is we were like we were talking my wife and i were talking about uh ben's like what do you want to do when you die yeah as you do yeah yeah actually that's a conversation everyone should have yeah for sure if you have not talked to your loved one about dying guys do it it's gonna happen just build them an idea (laughs) what should we do with each other's bodies yeah Mm -hmm. and we both were under the impression that we both want to be cremated like it's far cheaper and like i don't i said plant me in one of those trees mm-hmm. yes, that's what that's i want it. that's how yeah. i feel yeah. and then she goes well what if i move and i said you take the tree with you mm-hmm. <laughs> i said yeah. i don't care how big it gets <laughs> you take it i would nourish the crap out of a tree yeah like look at this body i am <laughs> Trees i'm gonna grow a large but tree. that's what, a lot of yeah. good grown estate there mm-hmm. a lot of good then grown I, real estate amber's like oh i'll get a necklace to put your ashes on it's like no nah, don't do weird stuff with it yeah. just like <laughs> <laughs> i mean whatever you're not gonna be around i I won't care, but like other people might. Yeah, like step one, use my body for anything useful for any Donate of humanity. Everything you like, can, absolutely to everything. It's, I would just like ask her for like a quarter cup of your ashes so that I could make a really nice resin first player token. Oh my god, a huge one. <laughs> giant raccoon player token. <laughs> and then that way you could get with us like forever. I'll put, I'll put that in my will. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this? Oh, this is Grande Daniel. This <laughs> is Grande Dan. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Uh, All right, right. let's do this. Well, I guess it's time for a show. Let's do a show. (laughs) Welcome to the Macar. What? 46. (laughs) Episode 46. (laughs) Stroke. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 46 Random Draw, a board game podcast. I am your host, Daniel Mann. With me, as always, Dave Hubbard. That's me. (laughs) And Mark Belisle. (laughs) Grande Papa Daniel. So so well done. Yep. So let me. Uh, you're welcome a, for that one. Let Mark. me give a. It was so funny. It was very funny. Let me give a quick update. So last time, last week, I said, or last time we recorded a show, I said I'm going to buy some Magic: The Gathering mm-hmm. cards. Uh-huh. I didn't do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was in a board game <laughs> shop, and I didn't even think about it. They had boxes of them. Yeah, I didn't do it. So I was all the hotness right now is Pokemon, right? Okay, the Pokemans. So I'm like, I'll get a new box just dropped. I'll get it. No, I won't, because you can't get it. <laughs> like, oh, really? Can't get it anywhere. Oh man. And so I was watching some guy open up. This is what I do with my life. I watch YouTube videos all day. And so I'm watching some guy open a box and he gets like $700 Charizard card. <laughs> he just opens it up and there it is. It was his first pack. He said, I haven't opened a pack of, of cards since the 90s. He pops it open and his like third card is this like 
Charizard collector card worth like 700 bucks. And if you get it uh, graded, it's like $1,000 or whatever. So I was like, okay, now I really want one of these. <laughs> like, I know my odds aren't great. But it I think to him. It's totally going to happen to me. Yeah, yeah, that's how the lottery we'll works. <laughs> it will happen to me. So I, like, I go online, and online they're like $100 for a box. Well, in the store they're like $50, $45 for a yeah. box. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay double because that's not that's harder to make my money on now mm-hmm. so that is where we're at with that i don't know magic the gathering maybe when that box comes out mm-hmm. i'll get that the Kaldheim box or whatever sure or I, again i don't know enough about it to like well that's the thing or- so i'll open these and I'll, be, <laughs> and I'll be like oh this card is cool and then i'll have to look up every card because mm-hmm. i have no idea what's what whereas i think like with pokemon you get the you get the charizard you, you get the squ- Squirtle. I think it, <laughs> is it on. still the, is it still like where the good cards are foil? Yeah, this yeah. card. So was, you see foil, you know you're golden. Yeah. This card. Yay. Well, uh, uh, Magic the Gathering has foil cards too. Oh yeah. I get. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I don't know how any of this works. Me neither. This is gonna, this is going to be a real journey well, for us. It's going to be a fun day, Dan. We'll sit together. We'll, we'll open, open them cards. all. We'll look them all up, and then uh, we'll go. Oh man, we made just enough to get almost our money back. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, makes no sense to me. So I, I'm like, okay, what Magic the Gathering card should I be looking for? And of course, they're saying like, oh, Black Lotus. Like, all right, well, I'm not going to get that. Yeah. So yeah, for, clearly. The, I, thank you for nothing. I can't article. just get that out of a pack. It's fine. <laughs> but then they were like saying that a bunch of cards got reissued, so a bunch of cards went down in price. I was like, oh my god, this uh, yeah. whole thing! Like, it's the volatility gonna, of gonna, the magic market. I'm gonna man. Get, keep up with this yeah, such listen. a thing. If you're confused about any of this conversation, make sure you listen to the last episode of this podcast, episode 45. Or- where the whole end of it, we discuss Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah or totally. Dope. And the markets therein. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. You know what? This this show, whole show so far has a real relaxed vibe to it. As it should. As yeah. it should. I mean, I love it. It's not like very structured. We don't really have like too much to talk about today. Nope. We got two games and a talk. Two games and a talk. And I got to be honest. I mean, I've always liked a relaxed fit. <laughs> That's why I always wear pajama pants. Yeah. <laughs> always right. a relaxed fit. Always a relaxed fit. So if you're unfamiliar with our show, we are a board game podcast. We talk about different kinds of board games. And then at the end of the show, we do a topic where uh, Mark comes up with a topic and he does research. Mm-hmm. He does lots of research. Yeah. And then uh, Dan and I take the credit. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Dave and I are also here. <laughs> again, this is the this is the way we do things. Yeah. This is the way. <laughs> so... Sometimes Dave works really hard and I ride those coattails. Other times Dan works really hard and Dave and I ride those coattails. Nah. And I think mostly Mark works hard. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of time editing, I guess. But but is it hard work for you at this point or just time consuming? It is just time consuming. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the hardest part of it is just me going <laughs> into a microphone. Now I have to leave in that mouth noise where yeah. what you've said doesn't make sense. When you're so like used to taking out mouth noises, now you have to purposely. Oh, uh, it's going to. That's it's gonna hard. irk me so much. Yeah, I know. It's really good for me, Dave. So, <laughs> so we're gonna talk about two board games. One's officially a board game. Like, it's yeah, it's made a of board. Boards. It's a wood. Oh, do you yeah. want to talk about that first? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. So, I have heard this said both ways, uh-huh. and I'm going to say it both ways so that I cannot be wrong. Okay. I backed Mayday Games Crocodile board. Okay. Also, Crocodile. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because Dave called Dave goes Crocodile. Yeah. Sure. With like the reptile. Yes. And I go Crocodile, like yeah. the toad. <laughs> 
Yeah, mm-hmm. crokinole. I'm fine with either <laughs> or any variation yeah. there in between. Crokinole. I yeah. think I've called it a lot of other things as well. Especially in a text. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I certainly can't spell it. And so my phone's just like, I guess you meant this. It's always a little suspect. Yeah. And yeah. then I go, eh, they'll get it. <laughs> so I I ordered this one year ago and some change. One year like ago. One year ago. Day. I ordered a dark day. I ordered this. Game. It came in the mail right after Christmas. No, last month. February. <laughs> I don't know. I, got I mean, that game. was after Christmas. Yeah, yeah, technically I was right. Technically, I'm always right. <laughs> uh, so I got this, and it came in an, a nice big box, and it's an awesome... So if you're not familiar with Crokinole or Crocodile or Crocodile or Crinkly or Crinkinole... <laughs> uh, so th- this game, it's a, a big wooden circle, sphere... No, a circle. No, a sphere would be a 3D. This is a two-dimensional object. Two di- three-dimensional Ooh, game. Three-dimensional Crokinole? <laughs> oh, Dope. no. Count me in. Yeah. You have to do away with gravity or something. <laughs> So, just play it underwater. So this, <laughs> so this is a dexterity game where you are trying to score the most points, essentially. I've broke it down to the <laughs> bare minimum. Yes. In this game, you have these small circle discs called buttons. You're flicking those mm-hmm. uh, onto the board. If there's another player's button on the board, you have to strike their button first uh, to make a legal shot. If there's no other player's buttons on the board, you just have to hit it inside the middle circle. And then you score points from there. But what's tough about the middle circle is it's surrounded by these dowels that yep. stick up out of the board. Ooh, and dowels. they are very much Ow. in your way. They are Don't always in the way. <laughs> yeah, no matter, no matter what angle you're shooting at. No, they're always in the there's way. There's always yeah. a dowel directly in front of it. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's seen the uh, Shut Up, Sit Down Crokinole where they like Probably, raved about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. and But this game's been around for like 200 years. Yeah, or this is like that. not a new game. It was in... Uh, Created in the great North Canada. Yeah. Mark's hometown. That's why I took to it like a, <laughs> yep. never mind. An Eskimo Let's, to whale blubber. No, you can't say Eskimo. That's a slur. I can't say that anymore. You can't really? say it's a slur. Yeah. There's, it's, no, it's, I thought it's, that was just a name of an indigenous people. No, that's a slur. Huh. Let's they, just go with like a Toronto to Drake references. Did they change the name of Eskimo Pies? I do love an Eskimo Pie. I know. I, I think, didn't know that I was bad. Is, yeah. Well, I think I don't want to get canceled. So. <laughs> I don't really they don't wanna, have to do this anymore. More than <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that I took to this game like okay. person in Toronto to Drake. Like a raptor to basketball. Oh, yes. Like a raptor to basketball. I don't understand that reference. I'm a clever girl. Toronto raptors. Oh, I was trying to figure out what an actual dinosaur had to do with basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I took I took to Crokinole like an Argonaut to the town of Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> like a rough rider to a shorter football field. I yep. think we have successfully similed this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. we did Fine. it. Fine. That's those, how Mark took to it. Those dowels are more in the way of that board than those yeah, goofy goalposts in Canadian football. <laughs> uh, so in the game, uh, it's normally a, a one-on-one game, and there's two different styles of scoring. Mayday, the one we learned is you play to 100 and you can eliminate each other's tokens by having them in the score, same scoring circle. Mm-hmm. But the tournament rules are whoever scores the most points gets a certain amount of points. So it's like two to three points yeah and then the other person gets one if they have anything on the board uh that's like tournament rules and i watched the tournament and those guys are good those guys are really good (laughs) those guys are upsettingly good yeah and so the first couple times we played we were all standing up like maniacs but we learned the actual rules you got to stay on your on your keister yeah you got to have one cheek we got to play the one cheek rule the one cheek rule baby you got to keep one of them cheekies on your chair you can lean side to side but you got to have a cheek down yeah gotta have that cheek so we and that's why we've had that uncomfortable time of uh, taking turns as the cheek checker (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. just slide a palm under there Mm -hmm. palm up because that's obviously palm up that's the most where I, sensitive yeah that's where i got my feelers that's where all my feelers are 
<laughs> Listen, that's where all my nerve endings are. Who knows? <laughs> check there. Who knows what the back of my hand is touching? Yeah, I don't even know what it looks like. <laughs> so a lot of times we play <laughs> we play teams, which is the same rules. Just you split the number of buttons between the two players, and you sit across from each other. I mean, I can't say enough good things about this game. It's just so stinking fun. I am very decidedly not good at this game, and I adore it. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so easy to just like bust out and play like four or five games mm-hmm. real quick. And the games go by pretty fast. It's so much fun. We play it all the time. And it's funny, like, Amber will take a phone call and she'll go in the other room and I'll just hear, like, click, click, like, her hit, <laughs> like hitting the buttons just, like, while she's talking on the phone. Yeah. So it's just something so easy to play. And, and even and kids out. can play it. Like, we play yeah. with Kira. She's eight. She, I call her Rocket Fingers Kira. Yeah, mm-hmm. she goes... She, like, she does that wind up thing. So normally when you flick, it's you should not... call her Rocket Man. Oh, because oh, Dan Man, I yeah, do like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but normally when we're playing, <laughs> you, you don't like hold your finger with your thumb and yeah. apply pressure and then flick because that is way too hard. Like you need a certain amount of couth, I guess, when you're throwing these. You need a, it's gotta be soft. You, you need a, a certain touch. bit of finesse there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I like couth. <laughs> All right, we'll go. You with couth. put on a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this I is, like that if we blast it, we call it a, uh, what do we call it? Uncouth. Uncouth. It's uncouth. uncouth. Uh, you're it's wearing, an uncouth shot. You're wearing Aww. your overalls and wife beater. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's such an uncouth shot. But uh, Kira, like you can see her knuckle get white yeah. with every shot. <laughs> she will blast, especially if it's a shot that's like close to her. She's going to slam that Oh man, thing. she yeah. has one speed and it's all the way in. Yeah, that's how she plays. <laughs> she goes full speed. Turns that, out my wife plays it. like that too. Yeah, Amber does too. <laughs> yeah, I, it's so weird that we would be like the soft touch yeah. of the group. It's like just, you just have to because everything's waxed like everything's smooth yeah, it, it just slides really across well. i like not... i liked it when you waxed the board yeah uh and it played completely <laughs> different, <So> different. <laughs> uh, i i don't know that i'll do it again because it was a ton of work to wax that board uh-huh. like it sucked but they have this powder you can get like carom powder which is like a different type of game mm-hmm. um but and you just put it in the ditch and you just rub your thing across it and I then think you that's flick what's it across. Up. I think that's oh, the I way like to that. do it. Yeah. yeah, I like I like any of those like powders that you see in those dexterity games. Yeah, where yeah. You just give it a little. I mm-hmm. think that's the way to go instead of me like actually using elbow grease to wax this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that didn't affect my life. I was fine with it. Uh, the first couple games we played, like that wax was super effective. <laughs> it was just like the smallest touch, it would just slide all the way across. Like, okay, I don't know how to play this game anymore. Yeah. Um, but, but man, when you actually manage to make some shot, A, if you just sink it in the middle, like yeah. if you're first, there's no other buttons on the board, sink in the middle, super satisfying. You know what that hole's called? No. It's got two names. Oh, hello. Name number one, the Dookie. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, get yep. it. Get in Name the number two, the Toad. I like the toad better because the I doogie so. sounds weird. I yeah, can, I, I feel can. like any any time now that I successfully make it into the center hole, I'm into just going to look around and be like, I did it all for the dookie. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mark's going to be like, the what? The what? Mark really likes that. I did. Joke. That was such a stupid joke and it caught me off guard. Mark's always a big fan of Limp Biscuit jokes. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, if I have an Achilles heel, <laughs> Limp Biscuit I think that's the first Limp Biscuit joke made on this podcast. For sure, which is why I laugh so hard about it. I guys have never made a Limp Biscuit joke in front of well, me. I've never had an opportunity. T- <laughs> I did it all for the dookie. It's not super topical. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I mean, for those I, of our uh, listeners who are of a certain age, yeah. Limp Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, oh, you'll man. get that reference. So. Yeah. <laughs> But so once a year, uh, Mayday Games does a Kickstarter, and you can kickstart a crokinole board for a hundred bucks. 
which is a super good price yeah, because these, these things run are like, out there. <sighs> yeah. So like Tracy boards are like this really high end brand. They're like three, 400 bucks and they're really nice from what I hear. But I don't have, <laughs> but, I don't have I've never seen one, but I mm-hmm. don't have any complaints about my Mayday board. Like maybe someday I'll outgrow it if I become, I don't know. I'd like to try a Tracy board just to see what the difference is, but I don't have any complaints about the Mayday board. No. Also, I like the fact that it's a third of the price. Love a third yeah. to a fifth of the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love it. And it came in like two different colors, but it was like, wood based i got yeah. it. <laughs> these I think two wood colors yeah i was like sure i'll take that one i <laughs> mean from my literal zero experience with yeah. the game i can honestly say that board is smooth Those yeah the one time i played crokinole was on the board i own so <laughs> i don't know and yeah. now mind you we've played dozens of games already like we, yeah. We've, yeah and we've not we've played crokinole every single game day since you've owned that crokinole yeah. board and I assume it's just going to continue because it's out. It's like always out. Well, so it's, and, it's easy to set up. And it's such an easy thing, too, to be like, all right, well, we're pretty much done. Like one game of Crokinole before yeah. we go. <laughs> like that yeah. is such an yeah. easy thing so to do. And it's like such a change, especially if you played something like really long and like really heady. It's easy to like, oh, let's just play a game of Crokinole real mm-hmm. quick. Just like I just go. thought a lot and now I just want to flick these little buttons. Yeah. The thing that I always find super interesting about like a lot of these like bar and tavern style games is they make such perfect filler games mm-hmm. like in your yeah. board. It's not really it's a really smart idea to have like a shut the box or a crokinole or any any of these like Man, tavern so games. I have shut the box sitting on my counter and it's been there for going on a year now mm-hmm. and I still to this day play a game pretty much every day. Yeah. yeah. Or multiples. Like you just you'll just walk through the kitchen and you'll like throw some in the microwave and then you go play a game of shut the box. Yeah, <laughs> and then the microwave beeps and like it's perfect. That's how whenever I'm in the kitchen I'm waiting for something like water to boil or something. I always like go bust out a couple of games. How often do you boil water? All the time. Once a day. <laughs> <laughs> He's constantly boiling water. I think he left a pot on the stove when he came over. I want to watch it and see if it actually takes long and is it always because someone's having a baby someone's like get some boiled water yeah i'm getting i'm always getting clean towels and boiled water yeah so weird what's the boiled water for uh i don't know you're not putting that baby in the water. Sterilize things. You're but, not gonna poach a baby. Put the baby in there. But then you can't like be like, hey, here's a clean towel that is also 200 degrees. <laughs> Here, I put the baby in 212 degree towel. <laughs> put the baby in this. It'll be so warm. I don't know what the boiled water is oh. for. Uh, listeners, write in if you know what boiled water yeah. is for. I hey, thought you were asking babies. I, I mean, my wife worked in the baby making section of the hospital for a while. Well, they have machines there. They don't need they to. Don't make babies <laughs> it's the baby making section look, where they look, make them you walk in you don't have a baby you walk out you have a yeah. baby that <laughs> is the baby making section I mean, really, yeah. technically you walked in with the baby you brought your own baby <laughs> yeah if anything you're it's a baby extractor <laughs> yeah i've never seen it <laughs> I've never seen uh, anyone actually make a baby there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe not saying it hasn't happened. An in vitro <laughs> clinic. That'd be a baby making hospital. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say any baby making that goes on in a hospital is usually in the emergency room. Am I right? Yep. Dirty birds. Yeah. <laughs> ER nurses. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's crocodile. There's not too. I don't know how to get back yeah, to it. Yeah, no, no, married no, no. an ER nurse. Like, yeah. that was. That's fine. Oh, everyone except for Larry. Larry's a lady. I don't know. <laughs> I need to clarify that one. Larry's a yeah, lady. Yeah, I forgot that Larry was a Larry's a. That's where I met her in the ER when yep. I was an ER pharmacy tech, like in some sort of dope. It's <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> the worst job ever. It was fun. It was all right. I don't know. It got gradually worse. Yeah. <laughs> Let's rank Crocodile. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> do we rank it? Let's rank it. <laughs> Okay, let's. Do you have information about it? Not really. Uh, <laughs> I don't know like, what you would say. It is, like Dan it said, is wood. <laughs> here's what I'll say. Like Dan said, it was uh, made in Canada. Yeah. 
it seems to be the earliest reference was in the 1867 Sports and Games in Canadian Life. <laughs> was it the centerfold? <laughs> yeah, it was the centerfold. <laughs> oh, take a look at that. <laughs> that's Iris. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, look uh, at the grain oh, on that Oh, take a one. look at that. <laughs> oh, boy, look at the grain. <laughs> so good. Look how smooth this board is, oh, eh? Oh, seven dowels, yeah. <laughs> look at the dookie on that one. <laughs> Man, this show's wild. Oh, <laughs> I told you it's so gonna be a relaxed fit today. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right, fine. Let's rank. Let's do it. Let's rank Crokinole on a scale of one to ten, not using the number seven. Uh, Mark, how many uh, dookies would you give Crokinole? <laughs> oh, this game's a lot of fun for what it is. Yeah, I'm gonna rank it like a ten, baby. Yeah. ten dookies out of ten. <laughs> I regret saying it. Uh, Dave, uh, Crokinole, one out of ten, not using the number seven. How many do? <laughs> Yeah, well, how is Dookie how many spelled? Dukies? D-U-K-I-E. D-U? D-U. D-U-K-I-E? Are you like, they're, they're, maybe it's well, here's Ducky. What maybe it's Ducky. Here's what, no. A Ducky would have a C, right? Not I don't necessarily. know. Knife has a K. I also can't spell. <laughs> That's true. You asked Dave to spell something. Because uh, if it's Ducky, <laughs> you see, here's, what, here's why I would say it's called, here's why I would say it's Dookie, right? You got a guy mm. named Duke who drills the hole. Okay. Oh, that's the Dookie. <laughs> That's where this is coming from? No, but I made it up. It's, it's my headcanon. <laughs> but it's in the 1800s. I can't say it's wrong. Here's yeah, yeah. what I would say is that my ancestral heritage to the land of, mm-hmm. of the Dookie, of the, of the maple leaf. Yeah. <laughs> I read that. Our Lady of Canada. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. They sent me to speech therapy because I kept calling them decals <laughs> in, in Oklahoma. But anyway, uh, yeah, I would go with Dookie there. All right. Well, all right. Let it ride. I tried, Dan. I know. Let it be known. I know. <laughs> I mean, it is uh, half an hour too late. But. <laughs> yeah, we are in, baby. Uh, all right, Dave, one to ten, not using a seven. How many dookies would you split? God, honestly, <laughs> man, like this is absolutely in the family of your shut the boxes, and it is superior. I got to go ten as well. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I can't find a fault with this game. It is just flawless. I, the only fault I have with this game is, sure, I wish it was cheaper, but like, yeah, I but get that it. Is, I, it is made out of yeah, wood. I, I get <laughs> it. Somebody has to manufacture it. Dan, uh, one to ten, not using number seven. How many dookies would you? Uh, I'm gonna go. I, I mean, I'm gonna Lean go, it, Daniel. Yeah. Just own it, baby. I'm gonna go with ten as well. Like I love this game. I we play it all the time, and it, it's so simple to just have out to play. Mm-hmm. It is the perfect filler game. Like, yeah. and I mean perfect filler game. Yeah, it's great. I can't wait to play it today. <laughs> uh, so that is Crokinole or Crocodile or Crocodile. Crocinoli. Let's just call it Dookie-tron. I think I called oh, it no. Crocambouche once. Crocam one, Crocambouche. <laughs> Let's move on. For God's sakes. Let's get moving. So the next game we played was another game from uh, Funko, right? It is a Funko from Prospero Hall. Prospero Hall. Have we not played a bad Prospero Hall game yet? I don't think so. There's been one we were more lukewarm about. Well, this one I am above lukewarm on. Not boiling. No. Like, this isn't going to be something I need when a baby's coming out. Yeah, I couldn't help a pregnant woman (laughs) with my temperature. Like, it's a clean towel, but it's no boiling water. (laughs) How many clean towels would you give this game? Uh, so the game we played was Groundhog Day. Mark, this is your game. A little something I saw as a flash sale on Amazon. Yeah, Mark claimed that this game was, I thought he said $60, which I oh, thought yeah. he severely overpaid for. Yeah. Agreed. But turns out he your, said $16. Your expression when I said it was 16 I, I thought it. less of you. Yeah. 
I was like, oh man, Mark is a sucker. <laughs> now what can I sell him? Yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, if you like that, then look at this. Oh yeah, I've got like leftover buttons from Crocodile. <laughs> I've got so many buttons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this was a sixteen dollar uh, fire sale on Amazon, and I was like, "Love it." We've played Prospera Hall before, yeah, and every single time seems to be pretty good, except for one. I heard was except a... for one. I got to figure mm-hmm. out what that one yeah. was. Sounds uh, like a lie. But stay right. tuned. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. I'll suss it out. Mister Hall, don't listen to this. <laughs> They've all the gold. I do remember when we thought Prospero Hall was one person. <laughs> I was like, "That's a cool name." Like, no, that's the name of the company. It's like, because oh, it's right. because we're so very stupid. <laughs> we were so dumb. And I believe everything I hear. Um. So yeah, I picked up this game. Got shipped. Uh, arrived. And it's a. It's like a really it's handy little. It's so much fun. Uh, it is. Fun. Is what I would say. First off. Yeah. Sure. It's a cooperative game. So we do. We do love our co-ops here. Yes, we do. And the goal of the game is to have the perfect day. Which is such a fun goal. Like, I've never played a game where you're just supposed to have a perfect day. Uh, Prospera Hall designed Jaws. Oh, boy. Which we oh, hated. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah. All right, fine. I knew there was one in there that we didn't. I'm not even about. lukewarm on that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tepid water. You don't want this game anywhere near a newborn. Yeah. Yeah. No, this will never clean a newborn. <laughs> 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 Basically, this is all based off of the Bill Murray movie from the 1980s, Groundhog mm-hmm. Day, yep. where he gets trapped in this endless loop of the same day over and over. Yeah, it could take you down some real dark paths. I mean, because if like nothing means it anything, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if nothing means anything, then it you're is, gonna it do is some much bad stuff. Not great, I imagine. Yeah, not great. <laughs> it would make a monster out of every man. Ugh. This is not like that. So the way Groundhog. <laughs> So the way the game functions is you have – it's a period of days in order to have the perfect day. So the way it works is you are all given a hand of cards, and then your task is to play the cards in ascending order from 1 to 12. You can't play the same number, and you can't play anything lower than the last number. And you can't talk about it. It and was you, exactly. so much the mind in this aspect. Very much so. Um, except – all of you have multiple copies of all the cards. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like you can go, oh, well, I have the one, so clearly yeah. I am first. Yeah. That is so not that, how that is works. the other thing, too, and that's totally worth saying, is you have different suites of cards in your hand. <laughs> you have four suits of yep. cards. You have gray, you have dark blue, you've got orange, you've got yellow, and you've got the perfect day cards, which you're are red. bright red. And every card has a new um, heart allowance on the bottom of it as well. And so the other caveat is, as you're playing these cards in ascending order, Every day, your day has to be better than the one that came before. Yes. So every day, you will play these cards 1 to 12 in ascending order, and then you end the day. Mm-hmm. And then you move on to the next day. Those cards do not go back in the deck. Nope. You have used those cards. Those... So part of it is trying to get rid of the trash cards. The gray has no hearts on it. The first day, you're trying basically to get rid of all your gray cards to a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then if that's not complicated enough, again, you have to do it without talking, and you have to do it in less than a minute. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a timer. I forgot about the timer because it doesn't really come into play. Really yeah. Matter because we were so rushing it that it yeah, <laughs> didn't we, really matter. We mm. did better when we stopped rushing so much. Also, the timer is I don't know if it's an app or just a website. Yeah, but it comes with a hourglass timer. Don't uh, get that. Ew. You you actually want to take you want to actually want to take the time to download the actual app on mm. your phone. It's got a beautiful polka theme. Mm-hmm. And the little groundhog comes out and dances. And he dances. Yeah. And then the polka gets faster and mm-hmm. more frantic near yeah. the end. Uh, yeah, it's definitely worth it. It's worth your time to get the app. Yeah, as Dave and I have proven time and time and again, <laughs> if there is a sand timer, we will I, do nothing but stare at mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I can't help it. That it's is the, it's the, the only way this game would have been functional. Yeah, my <laughs> yeah. game is stare at the sand timer until it's empty. That I'll is go, my game. It is my yeah. turn to play, and I will just look at the timer. <laughs> Stop looking at it. I cannot. Mm-hmm. I cannot. <laughs> so every day that you have a day, 
<laughs> and you succeed in both having an ascending order and also more hearts, you lose cards from your hand as well. Yeah. So, like, the first day you have, like, 24 cards. So total. 24 cards total, split up however many people you're playing. Plays up to six. Mm-hmm. That would be a nightmare. I don't know how you'd get anything done. And that was an interesting mechanic because it means that, to a point, you're just making this game harder for every person you add to right. the game. Mm-hmm. Because a smaller player count, you have the same total amount of cards, and each of you has more in your own hand. Mm-hmm. So as you add players, you're literally making this game harder, yeah. which I thought was kind of an odd mechanic that i never really seen in a co-op before to just outright say this game is harder the more people you add right yeah for sure you definitely have less control over your knowledge base oh absolutely like the mind is harder the more people you add but you're only supposed to have four players in that game anyway yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> play with like seven play people with six, Who cares? Usually, yeah. and yeah. you officially win that game at a lower um yeah. At a lower number of total cards, right. the more players you add. That's so it has a mechanic that that makes it easier, if you will, the more players you add. This mm-hmm. does nothing. Yeah, like, like, you add more people, oh, cool, man. The game's just harder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Quit being, quit being bad at the it's game. a little more difficult. So now. we tried yeah. to play with five. Yeah. That is tough. Five, yeah. including an eight-year-old. Yeah. Which she did fine. For sure. Yeah, she was okay. So Actually, no, when, when uh, she joined, it was six. Yeah, because Candy was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the other thing is, too, in order to uh, have the perfect day, you have to play seven of these red cards. You only start the game with six, and the way you unlock them is by uh, by doing special events in the course of your day. Uh, like you'll study French, so you can recite the French poetry for the perfect day. Mm-hmm. And those are all on other cards. Like those are usually like higher value yellow cards. Mm-hmm. So you'll play one of these yellow cards, and as soon as you play it, you can mix. You can take one of the unlockable red cards and mix it into the deck so that it's now available to you. So you have to unlock one of those cards in order to win. Period. And then, obviously, the more red cards that you unlock, the better chance that you'll have the hand possible to have the perfect day. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's kind of like where a a good portion of the difficulty comes in for this game is you can strategize all you want, but the second you start playing the game, you can't talk about your hand. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was so funny. You're like, oh, you could strategize before you look at your hand. But how? how? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there is realistically one strategy to this game, and it is try desperately to get all the gray cards out first and then like the next i forget which color is next yeah, but like, like the light try to basically whatever. drain the deck of as mm-hmm. many of the other cards as possible while earning the red cards yeah and then at some point someone's gonna have the red one after enough red cards are out there and they just have to decide to play it yeah and then hope that there are seven red cards in everyone's hand out there yeah and if there are then cool and if there are not then you lose yeah and that is all yeah yeah it's also that's what we've experienced yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. the losing the losing part yeah <laughs> So it's really cool. It's like, you know, we talked a lot about like deck builders in the past. Like, I think I described this as like a deck, like an anti-deck builder. It's, it's a deck eliminator. working to, yeah, like it's a, it's a deck color. Well, you, yeah, because you're only building the deck so much, you're only adding six cards or seven cards yeah. to the deck, yeah. and that your, is it. And, and you're, you're getting rid of seven cards every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you obviously want to get rid of as many cards as you can. Right. Because you need everyone to draw those red cards you're exactly. putting in the deck. But, but also, if you wait too long, then you're looking at, okay, everyone's only got two cards. And are, yeah. are, and are we doing this? Yeah. So it's like super brilliantly designed so that like there's always this tension about, okay, we have to get rid of cards, but also we have to do this in a very timely manner. Yeah, because if there wasn't that timer, like if you always got the same hand of cards, same amount of cards, like mm-hmm. this would be kind of easy. Like yeah. you would just be able to run down the cards. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That tension, like you said, of like, 
now I have less cards and I still have to get this like amount of red cards. It's so crazy. And the worst part is like looking at your hand, like, okay, I have one red card and you're kind of like looking around the table, like, is <laughs> what this happening? Like, what else does everyone else are have? We doing yeah. This? Mm-hmm. yeah. It's very, like I said, it's very cool how they, how they managed to tie all of that together and then having to worry about the ascending hearts too. So like you yeah, because you have to have a better day every day than you had the day before. And let me tell you, nothing's worse than having like two hearts on the first day and then like having a nine the second day. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, oh no, ooh, that's a bad feeling. Something's gone wrong. Too high. Yeah, I had too good a day. <laughs> My day has been too good. That's basically how the game functions. Yeah, like, it was really thing. fun. I again with these Prospero Hall games and like especially licensed games, mm-hmm. I have almost no expectations of them being good oh yeah Yeah. and i gotta say too every card had a quote from the movie on it which was a lot of fun very very, dramatic it was was very rad because then you could could, like yeah go through and see what you did for that day Mm -hmm. right yeah it was very cool yeah it was fun i like this game a lot way more than i thought i was going to and we did not do good no we lost every time we played yeah pretty poorly that's the thing i do kind of like about a lot of those like funko prospero hall cooperative games is that they don't make them super easy to win no, they definitely did not hold your I mean, hands look at, for this we, one. We definitely had uh, that whole experience where we did not beat Back to the Future back in time. No. Yeah, we just kept playing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Mark, you said for this one you actually played with your family. I did play with my family, and for the record, we did win. We did have the perfect day. Okay. There's a lot of table chatter, though. I was going to say, yeah. you and, seem very caveated about this. Yeah, I, so we did win, but there were some conversations was that there went like, on. How, like, how bad was it, though? Were they like, I have three red cards. They <laughs> it was, are it was the more one, like, five, and seven. It was more like, we should go for it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, Instead so. of just playing gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all oh, that's caveated. And I'm not going to be like the rules Nazi with my with my family of very super casual board gamers. You don't want to drive them right out of the hobby. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> At some point, you this is be... not how you play this game. <laughs> exactly. At some point, like I wasn't saying anything. I was letting them strategize. Yeah. But... Well, coming from people that play the crew wrong in a way that makes it harder and refuse to change. <laughs> like, exactly. I don't think we are the best <laughs> ones. Yeah. Yeah. Even after learning that, we're like, well, I'm not going to change. Now. Right. No, I'm, I'm invested in winning. The only it this thing way we now. took, <laughs> the only thing we took from Ray was the moon cards that we put in our hands yeah, so the... we didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it, we're like, nah, man, we make this game harder. No, this game is harder this way. Yeah. So, anyway, so we did win uh they thoroughly had a great time that's that's another huge measure of success for a board game is if you can bring it over to a place where board games aren't really played yeah you know my moms in their 50s like have a great time yeah Yeah, then that's cool then that's really cool that's a good sign for a board you're like oh you like this let me introduce you to arcadia quest yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i couldn't help but notice you really enjoyed this have you considered (laughs) brass birmingham (laughs) oh oh I don't think that would go over well. Oh, no, it'd be terrible. Uh, one of the things that I think these licensed games have going for them is exactly that introducibility to non-gamers, though. Because mm-hmm. you sit there and you're like, you've seen you know, Groundhog Day. Yeah. So you're already starting this game with a base of knowledge of enjoying this IP. So it is easier to get you into it. Whereas if you bring Brass Birmingham, I don't know, you've read a book about the 1800s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How for me? Hey, you've seen a train. Yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar with the coal trade in the 1800s? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're about to become intimately familiar. (laughs) So, like, that is just, like, it's already a harder sell before you've even started on the rules. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Plus, like, teaching a non-gamer a rule set like Brass Birmingham is, like... Teaching us a rule set I was going to say, just teaching you guys was, like, so incredibly hard. So I can't Mm -hmm. imagine, like, teaching a non-gamer who doesn't understand, like, any of the terms. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. I think think what I've learned is I think we're ready now to graduate with my family. So we've, we've... 
we played Love Letter. Yeah. We played Sushi Go. We played some uh, Groundhog. I think the next time I'm going over there and we do like a little family afternoon, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring over Raccoon Tycoon. Oh, that's oh, a good Raccoon one. Raccoon Tycoon. Yeah. That's a good one because that's not too heavy, it's but it is heavy. a lot of fun. It's not too heavy and you have to do some thinking. Mm-hmm. You got and some then, bidding. Yeah. yeah. No drafting, I don't think. No drafting, no. but you can definitely sneak tableau, some profits out from tableau people. building though, a little bit, yeah, yeah. a little bit of tableau building. Yeah, so I think that that's like I think that's our graduation game. I like one. it. I like yeah. it. I like that. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. Uh, Mark, tell us more about Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day colon the game published in 2021. <laughs> it colon really? It does have yes. Oh. To say the game, yeah, <laughs> like you're somehow confused. Like I'm gonna get the Groundhog Day DVD. Like wow, this box is big, but I guess it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You open it up and you're like, sort of confused. Oh, I'm quite disappointed. <laughs> Where is the game? It Where sounds is the like movie? It has 40 DVDs in it. Yeah. <laughs> so many DVDs. So stupid. <laughs> anyway, Groundhog Day colon the game, uh, published in 2021 by Funko Games. Uh, we talked about them before. And stay tuned. We're going to be talking about Godzilla, Tokyo Clash, and Godzilla. Pan Am, which are both, I don't know. We played Godzilla, Tokyo Clash. We, we liked that one. I like yeah. that one. And Pan Am's like super hot right now. I so. can't wait to. I should have bought that Pan Am just to buy it. Just I found. <laughs> <laughs> I found Pan Am at Salvation Army for of like all places. two dollars. The box was pretty beat up, and when I l- like opened it up to look inside, it like everything was everywhere. But I've never seen the inside of Pan Am, uh-huh. so I was like, man, I can't even like guess if everything's here. But for yeah. two dollars, I should have just is been an like, excellent guess. Yeah. I'll get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, design and art was done by Prospera Hall, who we've talked about many times recently in the past. Yeah, so, so good. Yeah, take a look at the, those episodes. Those are really good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's rank. Groundhog Day on a scale of one to ten. Dave, how many Bill Murrays would you give Groundhog Day? <laughs> one to ten, not using number seven. Oh, scream seven, which <laughs> kind of bothers me. Well, mm-hmm. bummer. Um, That's a shame, coward. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm fine oh. with being a coward. <laughs> oh, boo hoo. Uh, I actually think I will go six on this game. Given the comparison to other IP games we played recently that were also co-ops, how much fun I had playing it, it was fun. I did enjoy it. That is above average, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going six. Dan, how many Bill Murrays would you give Groundhog Day 1 to 10? Not using the number seven. I will give this an eight. I enjoyed this thoroughly. I would have kept playing until we won. <laughs> Which would have been years, yeah, just like the movie Groundhog Day. <laughs> it would have, would have been, been there one thousand years <laughs> for a thousand years. I would like to point out that aggregate score currently seven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's all right. It yeah, can no, good. it cannot stay that way. Uh, Mark Groundhog Day one to ten, not using number seven. How many Bill Murrays would you give Groundhog Day? Uh, this is a pretty strong eight for me. Again, it has a lot of good stuff there. The art's pretty rad. The cards were super small, which I thought was kind of yeah, interesting. They, they were that smaller than normal playing cards. Which yeah, kind of weird. Why would you do smaller than normal? It's so weird. Yeah, I did kind of like the cards though. After they grew on me after that second game, where I was like, well, they didn't okay. grow larger. Yeah, it's yeah, very they true. Didn't physically grow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and have then you tried I... putting them in water? <laughs> huh. Maybe I'll just spritz them next time I have them. Uh, and then uh, just the uh, fact that I could it's so approachable and like for super casual gamers who you're not sure what's going to land like I said my mom's in their 50s totally got this no problem so uh, yeah give me an 8 I thought it was pretty all right. All right, two good scores and then Dave voted also so here we go (laughs) (laughs) so uh, we're only doing two games today we have something special planned and by we I mean Dave and I Mm -hmm. yeah definitely Mm -hmm. us and And the special thing that we have planned is to present to you yeah Mark's talking. <laughs> oh, da, 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 da. Dave, uh, cue in some like trumpets here. Yeah, tell him how to edit. Yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like you told me to do something last time and I did it. You did. You absolutely did it. <laughs> I listened to the episode specifically to oh, hear if you Mark, did it. Mark, you're so influential. <laughs> Today, gentlemen, we're going to do something a little different. We're marching into positivity. Yeah, because it's March. Oh, I now. love it. It's March. Mm-hmm. It's March. The sun's out. Spring is coming. Yeah, sun's out, guns out. Sun's I, out, buns out. I just sun's turned out, 35. I need just some turned 30 yeah. in my life. This morning I woke up. My knees hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's like, how it works. It's, it's like instant. I slept wrong and my knees hurt. <laughs> it's, it's an instant sort of thing. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about a total hero of board game history and a little topic I'm calling Cry Bankrupt and Let's Slip the Lads of War. Yeah. Colon. <laughs> colon. No colons. No colons in the topic. Cry Bankrupt. Colon. And Let's Slip the Kings yeah. of War. Colon by Mark Belial. By Mark Belial. <laughs> and then uh, like a weird apostrophe no reason <laughs> I, I just get your punctuation on control guys just, i have a better idea just don't use it just that's don't use I, a colon don't use any punctuation that's how i write just one run you on should sentence. see my work emails <laughs> <laughs> you read like that fiona apple yeah good uh, l- album name. <laughs> it's like a 96 word poem good l- good luck figuring out what i'm trying to tell you that's just one run well, i on sent sentence. you an email yeah yeah it didn't make sense <laughs> So tonight our story begins at an address in England. Uh-oh. Birmingham, England, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. Brass Birmingham, England? Brass, Brass Birmingham, England. At 102 Willow Road on November 16th, 1983, a little baby came into 1983? the world. 1983? 1903. Wow, why did I write 1983? 1903? 1903. Okay, that's Did they different. have hot water and towels? Yeah. I'm sure they How had they boiling get that? hot water to poach that baby. <laughs> How did they get that baby out? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just sure. Without hot, a hot without, towel. Without boiling water and clean towels. Yeah. So 1903. Uh, Edith Clayton, the mom in the situation. Edith. Edith. And a brass manufacturer uh, whose name escapes me. I forget what his name is. But anyway. Birmingham. Uh, brass Birmingham and Edith Clayton are having a baby. A little baby boy named Christopher William Clayton Hutton came into it's the a world. a lot of names. It's a lot of names. It's a very British name. I need more names. Yeah, I only have the three. Yeah. Uh, go. Uh, what would you name yourself, Dave? Dave, because I don't want to learn to listen for a different name. Mm-hmm. And then I would start to add stuff in the middle, like Dave Chumbawamba. Uh, <laughs> Jafar. <laughs> Max Genie Lee from Aladdin. The, yeah, I like the Max idea. Lee the third. I like the idea of you calling yourself David Jafar Maxwell the third. Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. Well, for short, because I am a one-hit wonder. Yeah, I am a man I mean, of many talents. If I know one thing about Dave is that he gets knocked down. Yeah, yeah but, I, but then he gets up again. Nope, stay down and my knees hurt because <laughs> he's thirty-five now. Ouch, my knee. Ouch. <laughs> so our, our our little chap, Christopher William Clayton Hutton. Came into the world at a very revolutionary a very and dangerous age. time. Yeah. <laughs> Came into the world at a very, <laughs> at a very young age. Very young age. Uh, he spent his early years, like any uh, English child, attending classes with mates, playing in the soupy English fog, and becoming interested in magic, illusions, and escape. Oh, illusion. It's an illusion, illusions. Michael. Yes, it's an illusion. I saw that movie, The Illusionist. Yeah, how was it? It was good. I saw The Illusionist. Uh, it was um, about downhill luge racers. <laughs> 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 they were Jamaican. I think it was called The Illusionist. The Illusionist. I sometimes get The Illusionist mixed up with, with the, prestige, the Prestige, which is what's happening to me right now. Yeah. One of those the has prestige, Hugh Jackman. The Prestige is 
they lose in it. And then right. one of them has Batman, but there's two of them. That's prestige. Okay. Oh, okay. Because one's got clones. That's what I know. That's the illusionist. Spoiler alert for the illusionist. Wait. Yeah. Is it the twins. prestige? I think it might be prestige. No, the prestige has the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> now you're acting like me, Dan. But which Hulk? There's been three of them. I see there's Edward Norton. Ed Norton. Okay, Ed Norton. Yeah. Both those are fine movies about magic. <laughs> about magic. <laughs> So as he grew up, Hutton showed all the signs of being a bright, intelligent lad. When he was in class 11 in 1907, he won the second place prize for drawing and the first prize for botany. What's class 11? I'm assuming it is like... <laughs> is that like high school? Junior year? That's what we call it here in the in the in USA. The States. Yeah, in the States. I but we're Neanderthals. I don't, I don't know what class 11 is. I'm ignorant to other cultures. Section 8? Section 8. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> is it like year 11? Like school? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It just said class 11. This, okay. is, this is the article I read well, about him. here's the hole we poke in it. Yeah. <laughs> there you found it. Fine. Found it right yeah, off the I bat. I mean, usually it's like within the first five, so I'm glad, I'm glad that that's the case this time around too yeah so he finishes grade 11 with a you know <laughs> first class prize in botany so he's like that's pretty, crazy he's pretty good right and he was always super interested in escapology and um escape artists of like the contemporary time and this all kind of comes together full circle uh, when he wrote a letter to Harry Houdini, mm. oh, yeah. and he said, "Listen, I'm challenge you to come to Birmingham." Is this as a child? This is as a as a precocious youth. Oh, yeah. oh. he's a youth because he, he was working like part time at his uncle's like timber mill, and he's like, "So I challenge you, Harold Houdini, yeah, to come across if the pond. That is your real if name. that is your real name <laughs> to come across the pond, and we will come to my uncle's lumber mill." <laughs> And we're going to basically put you in a box, and we're going to nail the box shut, and we'll defy you to escape from the box. Oh. Quote, you enter immediately, Hutton wrote. We nail down the lid, securely rope up the box, and defy you to escape without demolishing same. His uncle was also down with this plan, because again, what He's would like, be sure, great? Like, yeah. yeah, sure. Bring, bring a celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing anything on Thursday. We'll lock a guy in a box. <laughs> <laughs> he sends the letter off, and for a while, doesn't hear anything back. And then finally... To his complete surprise, Houdini accepted the challenge to wow. come to his. It would be better if Houdini just showed up, like appeared in his kitchen. <laughs> right? He just opened a pantry one day and there he was. <laughs> Houdini was in it. What if they were like building the box and then like went to go get the lid and Houdini was already in the box? Da -da -da -da. <laughs> Ta da! Nice. He said, Yeah, I'll accept your challenge, young English lad. Uh, he said, there's only one condition I have, I was going to say, you'd have to have conditions. There's yeah. one condition I have. I get a chainsaw. I need to meet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I get a chainsaw. Yeah. I'm putting my life in the hands of this man. I want to meet this man. And okay. The, the kid's like, all right, cool. We'll do it. So sure, fair. Houdini comes, and uh, Hutton lets him meet with the man, and everything goes smoothly. And they get the stage ready, and they get the whole town. Everybody who's interested in seeing Houdini... Well, by the man, do you mean the guy who owns the lumber mill? No, the guy who's about? building the box. Oh, the guy who's building the box. Oh, so the, that's not the owner of the lumber mill. The famed box maker. Or yeah. brass. Neither they, of them are building the box. Yeah, no, no. The, the guy is just a carpenter that oh, is employed okay. at the lumber mill. John J. Boxamos. Got yeah. you. So Houdini meets with him on the sly. Well, not on the sly. No, he meets he, with him. He Everyone knows he's going to meet with him. Okay. Got to meet with this guy. Creases, no. creases some palms. Well, it's funny you say that, Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep, let's put a little pin in that. We'll come back. We'll come back to that. So they get the whole uh, whole crowd assembles. They put Houdini on stage. And when the time came to, for the demonstration, Houdini stepped inside the box, allowed himself to be nailed in, and then a curtain was drawn while a local orchestra played. Right? Oh, yeah. Because you can't nah, watch nah, nah, a nah, box nah. shake. That's no. not exciting. Yeah, exactly. So the music hits this huge crescendo. And when they uh, opened up the, the curtain, 
Houdini was standing nonchalantly off to the side. I'm doing a Houdini pose right now, yeah. but you can't see. It was <laughs> it's nonchalant. Great. It's actually though. more of a Havana White. If it was. I'm yeah. Honest. Did you say Havana White? <laughs> Havana White. <laughs> it's actually more of a Havana White. Uh, that's the Cuban version <laughs> yeah. of Wheel of Fortune. Oh man, uh, Havana welcome White. Havana White. Havana White. We will never get Coca Cola here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, take a listen to our 80s podcast for that joke to make sense. Everyone claps. Huge applause. Yeah, they you love know, it. Houdini has done it again. He's yeah. defied death and gotten out of this box. Hutton, at this point, he's like in his like super, he's like 19 or 20, is blown away. His hero has just escaped from like his own plan. <laughs> to kill him. To kill him. <laughs> <laughs> to kill him. But And at 20, he wasn't smart enough to be like, wait a second. Why well, did he need to meet with the guy making the box? Well, this is the fun part, right? So he finds out about this. He asks around, and the carpenter says, "With all his new new tools, <laughs> one way or another, <laughs> walks in in his suit after taking his brand new horse." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one way or another, he basically meets with the carpenter, and he's like, "Hey, man, how did how did Houdini do it?" And he's like, "Oh, he paid me three pounds to just make it so that he could kick the box open." <laughs> 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 so yeah yep all checks out that, yeah that yeah. makes perfect sense now so yeah houdini floated him a fiver and was like <laughs> hey man just make sure i can wiggle out of it and so he kicks the, he kicked the box open and then while the orchestra was playing like really loudly he just nailed the box shut <laughs> and that's how he escaped that's how he escaped the trap and so like it didn't really affect hutton poorly Hutton was like, I mean, like that makes sense. that's actually like, super rad. It's yeah, really like he's cool. He's a showman. He, he yeah, got me. for sure. So he like his interest in escapology and escape artists only grew from that point. Like he was obsessed with like basically figuring out all the little tricks, mm. all the cool little ways that they could do performances. <laughs> all the tricks like paying a guy a fiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just slipping a guy some money, you know. <laughs> I like the guy just owned up. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah just, he just, I just he slipped me three pounds, so I just did it, so. Yeah, well, listen, like here, that's three. Your uncle that. doesn't pay me well. So, <laughs> also three pounds in the eighteen hundreds, I assume, would be like two hundred, three hundred dollars nowadays. I actually don't know. Like, I assume that exchange rate would be pretty solid. It's probably enough money to make it worth his while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To like add to the mystique of Houdini, all of this kind of plays into Hutton's later life in a really interesting way that we will cover when we get mm. there. Hutton decides I'm going to go into show business because that's kind of what I'm all about. Uh, he was like, I'm going to be either an actor or an escape artist. It's going to be great. Unfortunately, his mom, Edith, was like, no, no, I actually think you need to have a career. It's very important. <laughs> I don't know. Houdini, not poor. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> just throw that out there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She looked at Hutton and she was like, I know you don't have the charisma. Like, so, <laughs> you know, Hutton was a lot of things. I'm not sure he was curious, charismatic. So she basically convinces him to not go into show business. Hutton basically follows the long tradition of spurned, intelligent people who crave attention, affirmation, and <laughs> need to know all of the secrets that reside within the human mind. He became a journalist. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you just, like, is this mildly autobiographical? I was going to say, I know this because I want to be a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need all of those things. So. I know how the thinking works. It makes sense. Like, we get our morning texts like, praise me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love tea as much as anybody. So just tell me all your hot goss and I promise I won't write it down. <laughs> but before you could become uh, the showman he was born to be or the journalist he was doomed to basically persevere as, uh, there was a little known conflict that broke out called World War One. Never, I've never heard of it. It was the war to end all wars, right? Because there were no more wars after that. I think it was the last one. <laughs> yeah. There's I think none. There's, there, there may have been some... 
kerfuffles. It's like we call it uh, We call it World War One for the same reason uh, you had uh, History of the World Part One. You yeah, know? it just because there was never another one. <laughs> yeah, this is, you only need the one. Yeah, so, yeah, perfect. So Hutton first tried to enter the Royal Flying Corps at the start of the war, but he got rejected. So instead, he was commissioned into the South Lancashire Regiment and spent the first couple of years moving up the military ranks. So he kind of was like using it as a springboard to like propel himself up socially. Uh, eventually, he served as captain and adjutant before finally receiving his British flying certificate in May of 1917. Oh, so, so he did get to be a pilot. He did get to be. Yeah, he earned his wings. Good for uh, him. <laughs> when the Royal Air Force was formed in 1918, he was appointed to RAF staff captain and spent the final two years of the war serving in Salonika, Greece. So. Really? Yeah, kind of jet-setting around the world here. Wow, he went to a nice, beautiful area. Yeah, I've heard Salonika's really nice, for sure. It uh, looks gorgeous. this time of year. Especially <laughs> this time of year. It's still winter over there, right? How's I don't know. I have no know how, idea. I don't, I don't know, know how, how things work. work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not curious about the world. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So uh, before the end of World War I, uh, basically, he'd gained the nickname Cluddy. They, this uh, weird nickname he had picked up. Cluddy. 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 Why? Because uh, he couldn't clot. Probably. His name was Clayton Hutton, so I guess they were just like, oh, that's Cluddy. Oh, that's a terrible <laughs> all right. All right. No effort put into that. Yeah. So he gained a nickname. He lost all of his hair, and he also lost his like direction in life. Oh, no. What am yeah. I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> Figure uh, out hair plugs for men. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. His post-World War II career was like really meandering. Uh, he spent a lot of time just rudderless. He continued trying to be a journalist. Uh, apparently, he studied under a uh, man named Alfred Charles William Harmsworth, <laughs> yeah. the first Viscount, uh, the first Viscount of Northcliffe. Once oh. again, I need more names. Yeah, and yeah. he was a Viscount though too, Dave. He was a Viscount. He, not, and he had titles. names and title. He had name and title. Dang, he's a very, he was a made man. We're a bunch of nobodies I know. <laughs> without title. Without title, <laughs> he studied under the Viscount to learn journalism because I guess the uh, Viscount had all these newspapers, and he's like, all right, cool. So here. This is how you do news, young Cluddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I assume as a Viscount, he was like, this is how you do news. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Vampire? Uh, 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 He's uh, a count. One expense news. report. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I know one count, and he is on Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So um, he basically worked at a paper called the Daily Chronicle for what he called, quote, a long spell. <laughs> and eventually moved out of the industry. He realized he wasn't going to be making it as an actor. So instead, he followed the long tradition of spurred, intelligent journalists who crave attention, affirmation, and proximity to fame, <laughs> and he became a publicist. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was like almost entertainment. He <laughs> <laughs> was entertainment I'm, adjacent. I'm yeah. almost important. Uh, he bounced back and forth between England and Berlin while working in publicity. Uh, but before he could get too settled on preser uh, persevering as a publicist, a little-known conflict called World War II began. This guy's all in it, huh? I, yeah. No, but I thought the last one would, was going to end all wars. Oh, Dave, well, that was just like, it's more like a prequel. It was yeah. a practice war? Yeah, it was a... It was, that was the war to start all wars. Was, yeah. That was the practice war where they were like, hey, man, some of us have tanks. We should probably upgrade our horses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yo, dog, we have all this practice making tanks. We should just keep making tanks. It was the well, now war... now I got all these tanks. What am I going to do with all these tanks? It was the yep. war to end all wars for like 20, 30 years. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, things happen. You know, people say something, another guy didn't like it. And here it was that Cluddy finally found his purpose in the world and our hero found himself 
uh, with a place in history of board games. Oh. All it took was a little thing called World War II. That's it? That's all it took. Yay. Small, small event. Yep. So, Cluddy once again found himself enlisted in the military. Oh, man. Uh, he went back to it, huh? Yeah. It, I guess it agreed with him. <laughs> it wasn't show business, like, but. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Round two. Less hair, more war. <laughs> he found himself getting yanked off the stage with a hook way less. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> he did not find himself on the front lines or behind the cockpit of a fighter again. But rather, our story really begins at a very important interview at the war office. He's sitting there at a desk, and he's not sure what this, what he's even interviewing for. Because, again, it's all very, very top secret. Yeah. Mm. Nothing like interviewing for a job you don't know what the job is. <laughs> That's, yeah. uh, this sounds like a pyramid scheme. He wasn't sure what the questioner was looking for until the questioner asked him if he had any experience with prison escapes or life on the run. It's <laughs> very specific. <laughs> very specific. Well, you got to figure, you know, probably about 30 years before this, you have all these people who had, like, maybe been, in, like, interred into, like, prison camps. Oh, that's true. So, I mean, I guess it's, like, a totally worthwhile thing. And Clay said, no, I, I never was, like, imprisoned, but let me tell you about this thing that I'm kind of into, <laughs> and it's sca- escape artists. So, oh, yeah. okay. So the interviewer listened as Cuddy told them this whole story about how he managed to get Harry Houdini to come to his, like, uncle's lumber mill. Come to my uncle's lumber yeah, mill. Come to <laughs> my lumber <laughs> poetry, Dave. I mean, really, it writes itself. That's a, <laughs> that's a real beaut. <laughs> tells this whole story about basically how Houdini had hoodwinked the entire crowd and the interviewer this is where I kind of wish I'd I'd like managed to track down a copy of this book because I kind of want to know how this all plays out the interviewer's like oh that's really cool if that story happened and Cluddy was like oh it happened and then apparently he reached inside his jacket pocket and pulled out a piece of evidence that like proved that it happened I don't know what this piece of evidence was. What it was like it a nail. Yeah. He just pulls out one nail. And he's <laughs> like, single and nail. this is a nail from the box. <laughs> and the guy's like, <gasps> whoa. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry for ever doubting you, fine sir. Oh. I mean, he might have had like a picture of him with Houdini or something like that. Maybe. He had I, evidence, I, Dave. I would love to know what that evidence was. It was like, a Polaroid. He pulled out his cell phone. <laughs> yeah. And he yeah. said, have you not seen my Instagram yeah, page? Yeah, he's like, did you check my Twitter feed? Because I posted it there days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, just I, like, it, what it was, he just pulped out this like photo, and then he slapped it on the table and just slid it his way. <laughs> he's like, I'm what so glad. This? Are you unfamiliar with the hashtag Houdini homies? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't put this on Snapchat, so I still have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I like the idea of Houdini homies. Houdini homies? <laughs> oh, that's cool. Very rad. <laughs> I'm going to make a t-shirt. <laughs> Shows this interview the proof, and the guy's like, that's really cool. I'm actually super interested in hiring you for a job now uh and so he brings cluddy in and it turns out he's hired four other men a newly created section of mi9 oh yeah all of this is under brigadier general norman crockett Oh, Norman, Norman <laughs> Crockett. I King knew. I knew it. <laughs> I knew you frontier. I, I said there's no way that we're not doing Davy Crockett. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so yeah. So they all have this brand new section of MI9 that they're all in charge of. And the purpose of this team was to train British troops how to avoid capture and, if captured, how to escape from German prison camps. Oh, so like, hey, here's how to get out of handcuffs. Here's how to pick a lock. I went to a school. Here's like how that. to pay off a German soldier to. <laughs> yeah. I thought this would be very topical for <laughs> I you, went Dan. To a school like that, <laughs> it was unpleasant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure that yeah. uh, I'm sure you'll have some interesting yeah. things to share it was with us. Unpleasant. Yeah. At this point, uh, the British government was in full World War II mode. And they looked at their soldiers as both their fighting force but also an investment. Each British soldier at that time 
cost 15,000 pounds in three months to train. Yeah, so it was like a very expensive proposition putting a soldier on the field. And if there's one thing I know is that the Crown is going to want that investment back. Obviously. Like, if you get captured, you've got to keep fighting because we spent a lot of money on you. Yeah, that's not our problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a you that's a issue. you problem, and you better get back home because right. you're late for duty. <laughs> and tea. <laughs> so they come up with this philosophy called escape-mindedness, where it's drilled into soldiers that if you are captured by an enemy force, you have one job, and yep, that job is to escape from that prison. Yep. So that you can come back to Britain, so that you can continue fighting that enemy. Get back out there and fight. Yeah, and, and then it, if you get captured, then you just escape. Yeah. <laughs> so Hogan's heroes. Yep. Yeah, very much so. They said that it's your duty to escape, and it's our duty to make sure that you have everything you need to make that happen. Mm. So MI9's task at that mo- at that time was to basically provide everything that a, a British soldier could need to escape from a German war camp. Was step one, everyone has to wear a bobby pin in their hair? Yeah. Oh. Everybody gets everyone. Bobby. Everyone was uh, wearing, like, <laughs> little buns. Yeah. Everyone's got a bobby pin. Everybody has a man bun. Grow yep. your man bun. <laughs> Grow your man bun. It's going to take a little bit, but it's fine. It's well, fine. You have three months. <laughs> so, Cluddy's assignment was to give evasion training and discre- develop discrete devices that could be used to escape. Fun. I know. Totally Rad, right? Yeah, totally fun game. <laughs> so Norman Crockett gave him uh, basically a free hand to develop the tools uh, and methods to this task, and uh, which Cluddy took full advantage of. He was always kind of known as a soldier who had no problem butting up against authority, mm. especially like in the First World War. They were like, uh, he had like uh, an evaluation report that was like, oh, he's a really good soldier. But when he gets an idea into his head, like he's not gonna stop pursuing that idea. Oh, <laughs> and this so this seems actually like a good job for him. Then yeah, this yeah. is a great job for him. Uh, it's it's nice that they've kind of harnessed him into doing something that's actually probably really important. You know, I can't wait to see what this has to do with board games. Oh, we're getting there. Don't worry. It doesn't. <laughs> it's just Mark talking about brass. He's like, I was just interested in this. Well, you see, his last name is Brass. We played a game called Brass Birmingham Board Game. Board Games. <laughs> yeah, it's all like very roundabout. So, Cluddy took full advantage of this. And because of all of the shortages and everything, and during the wartime Britain, uh, he often found himself like just raiding supplies from other army departments. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. Don't mind me. Uh, yeah, he just like come out of a pantry with a bunch of stuff and like, <laughs> basically uh, stole stuff from like local stores. Oh man! So he kind of bro- broke the law several times, and he utilized this whole network of like false names. Like he had. <laughs> <laughs> he had like false names he had aliases he had contacts and whatever he could do to get the job done that he was working on at that time he was more than willing to do it because he had like i said a certain moral flexibility when it he came was to a real go-getter yeah because of his inventions and unorthodox way of procuring materials cluddy was often considered unpredictable and willing to butt <laughs> up against authority you don't say uh <laughs> was eventually assigned a, a young driver uh, a young woman who was like serving like in like the uh I don't know what would you call those Dan the, kind of like as a chauffeur for military officials yeah yeah she was a driver yeah she was a driver she was a driver <laughs> she was a driver, <laughs> I think just be a driver. And when she was hired and told who she'd be working for uh, she said that they claimed this they warned her in advance like listen <laughs> he's a madman <laughs> <laughs> try not to get arrested with him yeah so cluddy again was just like super into like figuring out how to get people to escape and so he leaned on like the one area of expertise he had, which was boxes. escape artists and yeah. boxes. Yeah. So he hired a magician onto the payroll of the <laughs> British government 
I was like, all right, show me how to make hidden compartments. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So show me hidden compartments. Uh, show me like how you would think to get like, get out of stuff. Uh, and he had he basically took over like this excavated bunker in the middle of the park, and that was his office. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he was given an office like in a building, but he was just there all the time, and yeah. it made them feel bad that he was like overworking himself. So like, you should go home. And he's like, cool, I'll go home. And he just dug a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> but what if I lived here? What if I just lived underground? Oh, that make man. you feel better? While he was there, they kind of landed on the four major things that soldiers need to escape. Would you guys like to try to guess what they thought was the four key components to an escape? I mean, I think, first of all, you need the will to try to escape. All right. So Dave's going with intangible will. An unstoppable will. Iron <laughs> will. Iron will. Uh, next, you're going to need knowledge. You're going to need the knowledge of how locks work. The knowledge of, uh-huh. you know, how to plan this escape. Knowledge will. Yeah. Uh, then you're going to need chutzpah. Chutzpah. <laughs> yeah. Good old-fashioned chutzpah. You know, some moxie. Yeah. Yeah. A little moxie. <laughs> a little moxie uh, goes a long way. And then lastly, you're going to need a tool of some sort to allow you to actually use Four items. your will and your chutzpah uh-huh. yeah. together with your knowledge to escape. I, I think I've nailed it. I, I don't know why they didn't hire it. me. Yeah. This one time I had to get out of a car with a child safety lock. Like <laughs> <laughs> To answer the question that was asked. Uh, they came up with the four main things were food sources, a secure water source, compasses, and maps. Oh. With those four things, they and said- a, no bobby pin? No bobby pins. No gum or how duct tape? Would, how, how would your hair bun stay up? <laughs> <laughs> MacGyver would be not thrilled. Yeah. Right. How would he get out of this? <laughs> so with those, with those four things, they said British soldiers should be able to find their way back home. So, Cluddy, your job is to make sure they have those four things available to them. At any time. What um, if they store them inside themselves? Mm-hmm. This afternoon's training is called keistering. <laughs> <laughs> How much fits? Relax, relax, <laughs> relax. Uh, so after they've like sort of figured out the four things that they need, Cuddy like line by line looked at what they had, right? So the first thing he kind of tackled was food and water. He's like, all right, that's very important to make sure the soldiers have. So he designed several different escape kits to solve the problem of food and water. His first successful version, the RAF Ration Kit Mark II, was stored within a cigarette tin. It was like a, oh. you know, like a real high cigarette tin. It, I assume it would carry like a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, if you're fancy with your cigarettes. Well, I mean, this, these are British soldiers. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> this is my cigarette tin. This is my tea tin. Yep. This is my cigarette holder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he ordered uh, 20,000 of these tins. Oh, my. Which was no small ask in like a... Yeah. They're in wartime. I'm, I'm war sorry, time. we're trying to use that metal to make bombs and bullets. <laughs> uh, and basically, he spent like two days packing and unpacking them oh to gosh. see what the most optimal arrangement would be inside the tin. Um, I, I bet that's what it's like if you work at Broken Token. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me find the best way to pack up <laughs> Doom the board game. Yeah, so he they obsessively, like I think I read that he literally one whole day, one whole night, and then almost a whole day, he was like, okay, constantly packing, unpacking this cigarette. That's tata. interesting. Um, when the tin, uh, although the tin was small, Cuddy managed to fit concentrated food, two paper maps, a tiny saw, a compass, a small container of water, 
and several benzedrine tablets. Mm. You guys familiar with benzedrine? Yes. Doesn't it make drinking water potable? No, it makes you high on methamphetamine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amphetamine to keep you going. Bennies? That's oh, where, yeah, gotcha. That's gotcha. where that expression comes from. Yeah, again, yeah. Like, I'm just going to out not sleep the guards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, I need to be on the move. <laughs> so, they can't catch me if I never sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so the RAF Ration Pack Mark IV was an even better design. It was waterproof, it was compact, and it had all the items placed within a plastic container. That soldier was instructed to empty out the kit and place all the items in your pockets and then use the container as your water source. Mm-hmm. Oh. So you get fresh water. That makes sense. Hopefully from like a non-brackish moving river. <laughs> this then... pond seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> you just brush the scum aside. Uh-huh. Yep. That was the way he kind of solved that problem. As far as compasses go, this is kind of like where he really starts to shine. Uh, Hutton said, all right, well, any compass is going to have to be discreet. So uh, he tried to find a manufacturer who was able to meet his needs but he didn't really have any luck contracting because they were all busy doing other stuff. That you makes sense say. to me. <laughs> During World War II, these guys were busy. Exactly. Also, this is, this is like, what, London? That means they're busy getting bombed, depending on when this is in the yeah, war. Yeah, and that kind of factors into our story, too, a little bit, because all this has to be very secret, because if any of this information gets out yeah. to the Germans... During the Blitz. Oh, it's no, pronounced the Germans. Oh, no, this gets out to the Germans. Oh, no, the Germans the have the guns, too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he basically ended up finding a smaller company called Blunt Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, Snoop, it. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> no, that's the opposite of what you want if you're trying to escape. You need uppers, not <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you want the Benny Brothers. Yeah. Uh, I ate all my freeze-dried food already. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, what a buzzkill. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. So he basically contracts with the Blunt Brothers, who told him they could make five thousand small compasses a week, Dang. no problem. Okay. The problem is, is we don't have the steel to do this. Yeah, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Um, so Cluddy takes it upon himself. He charters an air an airplane and he flies to Sheffield, England, uh, and uses his MI nine credentials to get his foot in the door. <laughs> and then using a combination of bullying and bartering and. <laughs> And the patriotic appeal, he just says, I need this iron, or I need this steel. Let's make it happen. And so he ends up procuring enough steel to make all of the compasses that he needed. Oh, man. This mm. guy's a real go-getter. He is a real go-getter. I thought you were going to say, so he charters a plane. And then he and takes then he it apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. So he charters a plane. That would be such a boss move. disassembles the plane. Just disassembles the plane. <laughs> what That's plane? really where I thought yeah. you were going with that. Yeah, what plane? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, it never showed. So the company basically starts to manufacture what what are called bar compasses. It's just like a rod of metal that's been magnetized. When you dangle it from a string, it points north. Oh, okay. So, so then, it doesn't look like a compass at all. It doesn't look like a compass. It just looks like a piece of metal. Later, like Cluddy managed to get that in more sophisticated, and he worked with the Blunt Brothers again to magnetize safety razors. Oh man, that would be that's used. Cool. Yeah, so you would like you could shave with them, and they would be totally usable, but they were also magnetized. You again, you could hang them from a piece of thread. You could put them on water, and they would point north. So, oh, and that's even easier because a razor, like due to water tension, floats on its own. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, and using those safety razors, it was also much easier to smuggle them into POW camps. Oh, I could see that, yeah. Yeah. He really 
managed to make compasses out of everything. If it was small and metal, he could make a compass out of uh, it. Ah, yeah, Metallica. <laughs> he used <laughs> <a> compass <laughs> out of that. He did collar studs, pencils, pencil clips. Oh, Maybe. yeah, that's right, because pencils were lead. Uh-huh. This guy loves making compasses. He loved making compasses. I love making a compass. And the only thing he loved more than making compasses was making maps. <laughs> yeah. And here's where our here's here's where Cluddy like really comes into his own. Because the map is, like, arguably the most important part of any escape. Sure. It's, I mean, you can go north all you want, but... Like, yeah, you got, you got to have an idea of what, know what, what to look going. for. Exactly. Cluddy decided that the maps needed, like, several things in order to be useful. They needed to be durable. Uh, they needed to be concealable. They needed to be waterproof, so if you got them wet, like, they didn't fall apart. And they needed to be quiet. Yeah. Because you don't want to be on the run looking at a map, making all this noise, rustling a bunch of paper. Rustling your map up. Listen, as a person who went to the post office today and rustled a lot of paper. (laughs) (laughs) So loud, the Germans would find me in no time. Immediately. Uh, He had several early prototypes, one of which was made from actually mulberry leaf paper. He got this idea from a dude who had a contact in Japan. (laughs) So... It basically, uh, you had like mulberry leaves. It had like the texture of onion skins. Ah. Uh, and you could like, they could be balled up if you dunked them in water. Uh, that held strong. It didn't tear. It didn't smear or disintegrate. And finally, you could fold up that paper small enough to put it anywhere, like inside boots. Anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> inside boots. <laughs> inside like. Inside your fake molar. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Taking out that cyanide pill. <laughs> Time for, for sure. a map. Uh, he had this really, uh, he had this really smart idea that if he took the that paper and hit it within chess pieces, like you could just pop off the bottom and you had maps. Oh, <laughs> you fancy! Yeah, probably the coolest one he came up with was he came up with the idea for laminate playing cards that had a laminate that you could soak in water and it would dissolve, leaving behind oh, the map. The map. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Gosh, so this you, guy's pretty good at this. Yeah, he's pretty good at this job, right? So it was a good hire, HR great, person. Great hire. He made Crockett look so good. But his master stroke was reinventing silk as a material to print maps on. The idea of using silk maps is obviously a pretty old one. They find like ancient maps that have been printed on silk. Mm-hmm. But it kind of like went out of favor for like once like you have the modern military start to like mm-hmm. use paper. It like met all of the requirements that he was looking for. It was whisper quiet. Like you could uh, silk. Oh yeah, silk doesn't make any noise at right. all. It's tougher than paper. You can get silk wet. It doesn't destroy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't dissolve. And it's also very concealable. You yeah. Can, you can make like a silk little, little ball up your silk. You could juggle it. You could use it as an ascot. Yeah. <laughs> you can make some <laughs> some undies out of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, this is my war ascot. It's my war scot. <laughs> I mean, that does seem like a British thing. No, no, sir. This is my war ascot. This yeah. is my war. I cannot go to war without it. <laughs> So he starts to like really work on the silk map idea, and he finds that if he adds pectin to ink, it keeps it from smearing, but he still has a hard time printing clearly on the maps. So he comes up with the idea. He's like, listen, this is like the compasses. When I couldn't figure it out, I just outsourced. Yeah. Somebody's so, got to know. So he hires another magician. So he hires <laughs> another magician. So he uh, went with a company that was the only company in pre-Blitz England that could do the job. And that company was John Waddington Limited. Prior to the war, Waddington was known for being the premier printer of theater programs on silk. Oh, oh. yeah. I didn't know uh, that was a thing. Welcome to the theater. Yeah. So if you needed like a high-class invitation, if you wanted like a high-class theater program, you would contact Waddington. They would print your invitation or whatever on silk, and then that would be like your 
like very fancy invitation for interesting stuff. yeah dan i feel like your wedding invitations were real letdown yeah real trash <laughs> i don't know why they weren't printed on silk yeah i'm sure it's cheap <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be fine <laughs> so waddington already kind of knew how to do the job so cluddy immediately contracted them into the making maps for the war effort basically watched as every major region from like cartography departments was then transferred onto these maps that mm. were then given to uh, airmen like if you guys had getting in planes they all had yeah. the they all had a map of like the area that they were going to be serving in it, they were all part of like the basic kit that you would receive it all worked really well but it didn't answer the question of how you would get any of this stuff to soldiers once they were captured mm. right right it's one thing to send them out with it but you're yeah. assuming if they've been captured, they all take their everything. stuff is gone. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. No, if there's one thing I know about capturing someone, you don't check their pockets. You just yeah. you just invite them in. Yeah, uh, come, Sir, don't take that. On, that has my on, map and on. compass in it. <laughs> that has my map, compass, and tiny saw. Yeah. <laughs> I need that tiny saw, sir. I'll need that. I'll need that. <laughs> so it, had, uh, it was just pure stupid coincidence that what happened next happened. It was very, very bizarre. So in addition to being England's like, premier silk printer, John Waddington Limited also owned a very important licensed product. Would you like to guess what that product was? Was it Monopoly? <laughs> they own Monopoly? It was a Monopoly. They owned the license to print Monopoly for the UK. Are you kidding oh, really? me? My joke was right. <laughs> I was just trying to think. I was like, that's about that time when Monopoly would have you know, yep. started to come into yep. its own. In 1935, after the thief Charles Darrow ruthlessly stole Lizzie McGee's idea for the landlord game and pawned it off as Monopoly and mm. sold it to Parker Brothers and all that. Yeah, listen to a different episode where we go all over oh, that. Oh, yeah, we covered that in great sorted detail. story. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to export this game. So he got a distributor, John Waddington Limited, in England to be like, yeah, we'll do the entire UK. Like, we'll license this game. Mm-hmm. We're going to change it so that, like, all of the things match British landmarks. That makes sense. Yep. I actually have, my grandmother gave me a copy of that game. She, oh, really? They lived in England for a while, and they owned it. That's cool. Well, we had Dogopoly, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, We're I'm cool. not that good. We're cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after learning this, Cluddy said, it's all coming together, baby. <laughs> My plan is to turn your standard Monopoly set into a one-stop escape kit product. <laughs> oh, and then like see if they would give the let the prisoners play Monopoly to you know keep them from being bored and trying to escape He's or such cause a problems. Smart boy, I'm Dear so proud Germany, of our boy. I know. Can you give us give our troops this game. <laughs> <laughs> they won't use it to escape. Yeah, don't look at it. Working with the other MI9 officers, they got a couple copies of Monopoly and they just tore it apart, looking for any way that they could turn this into an escape kit. Working with other MI9 officers, Cluddy tore apart the game and looked for every single angle he could find to transform it from free time into freedom. (laughs) What good good writing. Bam, that's the button. Excellent (laughs) That's what I should use as the button. Anyway, so he embedded silk maps with marked safe houses beneath the playing surface of the board. Um, Like you would just tear off the playing surface Mm. and there would be a map. He magnetized materials into the game pieces. Oh. <laughs> so so your race car is actually magnetized? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had files that you could use to get through bars. Oh, my God. He had uh, a miniature saw called the Geely saw. I think that's how you pronounce that. Sure. It's like a, It's basically like a saw that's like a flexible oh. wire. Yeah. And then like you would just use it to saw through barbed wire. Mm-hmm. Or necks. Or necks. Yeah, or yeah, necks. yeah take that, German. <laughs> oh, it's so I metal. played Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> And he also coordinated specific denominations of real money that could be placed underneath the fake Monopoly money. (laughs) Wow. So, like, you would have an idea, like, okay, there's, like, a specialized mark on each board. Like, if it's by Mayfair Avenue, 
Like maybe that one's going to Germany mm. or maybe that one's going to Italy. So he would pack Lira with the ones bound for Italy. He would pack uh, Reichsmarks for the one going to Germany. It kind of just depended on like what he needed, where they were needed to go. Vodka and the ones going to Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We, we weren't at war with Russia. They weren't at war with Russia. Oh, please. They were there taking prisoners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they basically, you could use the money to like bribe guards, buy things if they had to. Whatever they needed to do to like get get out of the right. situation. Taken as a whole, this Monopoly kit would have everything that the soldier needed to escape. It's like for fun. Except and for fun. Got him. And food and water. And well, food and water you could get on the run. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. That's where you got money. Where yeah. do you get the chutzpah and the moxie? Well, that You're has born to come with from it, baby. within. <laughs> you get that during training. You listen to you put on a Lady Gaga song and mm-hmm. you you just get it. I was born this way. I was born this way too, Lady Gaga. I was born this way as I use this Geely saw on the soldier's head. <laughs> I want your chutzpah. I want your moxie. <laughs> I remember that song. So uh, when soldiers were trained, they were told to be on the lookout for special edition Monopoly games Mm. that had a very discreet marking by free parking. It looked like a printing glitch. But if you had that and disassembled it, you would have all this other stuff. How many Monopoly games do you think were torn apart that did not have that? That did mark? not have it? <laughs> like, oh. Like, oh. you're in prison, you get Monopoly, you're like, yes, we, we have an opportunity here, guys. And then you just tear apart the one source of joy. Yeah. That you had in your life. Uh, well, no, because it is Monopoly. Maybe you should just tear all of them apart. <laughs> like, maybe that is your joy, is demolishing that is, the That is the game. fun. So they were told to disassemble the kits, and then after they were done disassembling it, burn everything that wasn't useful to them. Because mm. they did not want this getting out to the Germans. That makes sense to me. So Because they're probably not bringing Monopoly into the prisons yeah. anymore. So under a fake name, Cluddy basically convinced John Waddington's Limited to pump out thousands of these Monopoly kits. Mm. They had a super secret squad of the of workers who would go into this like very off to the room and their whole deal was to make these adulterated monopoly kits <laughs> for the purposes of getting them to soldiers Dave, you had a really good point when you talked about like well how on earth did they get them into the prison camps yeah you convinced the Germans that will be docile if you give yeah. us Monopoly. I yeah. saw Hogan's Heroes. Those Germans don't know what they're yep. doing. <laughs> <laughs> so the British like really leaned on the Geneva Convention to make this happen. Uh, they, they really conv- exploited it? Yeah, they really did. <laughs> so you guys might find this hard to believe. Hitler's government had a bit of a hard time meeting the somewhat substandards of the Geneva you Convention. You don't say. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. The government that perpetrated the Holocaust? Yeah. 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 That government? That that government. Ugh. So they convinced the uh they've convinced a Nazi uh, official that hey, it would be good for the morale of allied troops if you gave them like little care packages and everything. And it also give them something to do. Yeah. Like they're not going to be like causing problems if they've got Monopoly. If they're playing Monopoly cuz it will take them 10 hours to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then they'll be so despondent when it's over. Yeah, they'll be so sad during and after that they won't even try to escape. Yeah. So the German army who was having like troubles supplying their own troops at that point in the war was like, "Yeah, that sounds really good. We'll sure. take the PR bump. Yeah, please. <laughs> For the love of God, let us do it." So they said, for sure, if they're playing games, they're not going to be causing problems for us. They're not going to be, like, trying to escape. <laughs> no, they'll, no, no. You know, they'll be working harder because they'll have recreation, whatever. They never knew the trouble that they led into their camps voluntarily. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, Cluddy's last major hurdle was, like, getting the games into the camps. Mm-hmm. So he was – at first he considered using, like, the Red Cross. But the problem is, is if 
smuggled goods made it their way into a Red Cross shipment. Yeah, then Red Cross would yeah. be allowed Yeah, Red Cross could say no, and then also the Germans could stop allowing Red Cross shipments in yeah, the country. Yeah, and that they is not wise. Red Cross anymore. Right. So he basically used his talents of, like, fake names and networks <laughs> to create his own fake charities. <laughs> this is the Blue Cross. Yeah. <laughs> He, like, had no interest in endangering the Red Cross, so he would, like, made up all of this, like, charity networks that were just totally fake. Like, mm. it was, like, the Vickers care for captured soldiers. Mm, the Crimson X. All sorts of stuff. <laughs> right. Whatever. whatever. Still on Red Cross. <laughs> He's still on Red Cross. So he was like, we'll just, we'll just ship them all in through these private anonymous donors, yeah. and then that way it doesn't endanger. We only donate board games. Right. And he, uh, he <laughs> that sounds like a charity we would start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so the, the the plus side of that was he could also smuggle in other stuff that he had designed too. Nice. So it wasn't just the Monopoly sets. It was a lot of stuff. Yeah. So he basically begins shipping these out to access nations everywhere. All of Cuddy's planning, Cluddy's planning, and hard work was a total success. At no point did any of the access nations ever discover the fake games. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, it's so weird. The kits that Cluddy helped to create made their way into the deepest parts of Nazi Germany as well. Uh, Nazis kept high-security POWs and former escapees at this place called Kolditz Castle near Leipzig. It's like this whole huge medieval-style castle that was just a POW camp. It was, like, well-guarded. It was, like, the most notorious uh, high-value POW camp Mm. in the war. And with the help of the escape kits, uh, they were credited to 316 escape attempts and 32 prisoners eventually making their way back before the end of the war. That's, That's actually pretty good odd. Like, considering you're just sort of making Monopoly games yeah. mm-hmm. and hoping for the best, like, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's really good, actually. <laughs> so during the war, Cluddy gathered uh, many many of the tactics and devices he'd created and put them into a book called Per Ardua Libertas, which translates or, uh, to liberty through adversity. And he disseminated this through all the allied powers. He's like, here's all of my techniques yeah. He, he gave them to Americans. He gave them to uh, anybody who was like fighting in the war with him. Yeah. The only thing he didn't put in there were the Monopoly games. That was like <laughs> his magnum opus. And again, he didn't want anybody to blow the secret. Yeah. So for him, it was like a huge deal. After the war was over, MI9 saw to the destruction of every adulterated board ga- in existence. Oh, wow. Yes. I bet if you managed to get your hands on one, it would be worth a lot yeah, of money. There, uh, there's like a very, it's heavily implied by most historians that none of these board games exist anymore. Because <sighs> the British government destroyed everyone they could get their hand on. Yeah. And the Germans didn't know that they existed. So, they so for like them, it was just them, like, yeah. whatever. It's it just garbage. a piece of trash. Yeah. Anyone That's who funny. used it burned all of the remnants mm-hmm. and used it. Mm-hmm. Yep, very true. And the the reason why is because they were like, well, you know, this isn't the war to end all wars. So (laughs) We thought it was the last one. There's a non-zero chance that we might need to do this again. Of the 35,000 British and Allied soldiers that escaped during the war, more than half of them were carrying around one of Cluddy's maps when they returned. Wow. Yeah. And most were aided by many of his other inventions. Uh, Some of his, like, classics, like, that he had come up with were uh, steel-cutting shoelaces, it's so like he'd fit Geely saws inside steel laces. Um, domino maps, like you'd be playing dominoes and you could pop up in a domino and there'd be a map inside. Wow. Uh, emergency supply kits that he had designed. And my personal favorite was exploding coal. <laughs> it, was it like exploding kittens? It, no. It, yeah. <laughs> Except if you had a, instead of exploding coal, you had a cat that exploded. Yeah. Gotcha. When you, when gotcha. You then it's yeah. exactly like <laughs> Yes. 
So yeah, you would set this coal on fire and then it would explode. It would just go. That's boom. crazy. Yeah, uh, that he, would be quite the shock if someone used that in like a locomotive. Or yeah. <laughs> so in addition to being like a consummate engineer and like inventive thinker, he was also like kind of a master psychologist too. But he came up with this device that screwed the wrong way, like okay. you know, lefty loosey, righty tighty. Well, mm-hmm. this one screwed lefty tighty, righty root, oh. loosey. And the reason why he did this is because he thought that the ever orderly German mind could, would never think to unscrew it the wrong way. Oh, so they would try it and then be like, oh, it's be like, okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> there's nothing in this. So he designed it to screw the other way. And the thing is, it totally worked. It, t- <laughs> <laughs> it took like Germans forever to, like, to realize it screwed the other way because nobody ever have, thought to do it. I always have to try both ways because like, I can't remember. I'm like, right now. But which way did they think right? <laughs> For me, it's just like a USB. Like I try both ways, yeah. and then the third time I get it. Yeah, despite there only being two sides. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. All right. yeah, it was the Monopoly sets though that really distilled everything down that Cluddy loved. It was deception, it was invention, illusion, and then finally like escapism. They were they looked like regular games, but they were really just tools to get people out of POW camps. Cluddy himself decided to continue working for the British government until the 1960s when he decided he needed the money and he tried to write a book about the whole experience. Um, It was about all the secret projects he had made, all that whole nine yards. And the British government spent a decade, (laughs) I think. Yeah, saying no. Saying no, you can't publish any of this. (laughs) You know what? That makes sense to me. They kept trying to litigate this book. Eventually it was released. It's actually called Official Secret. It's about his life and like all the cool stuff that they made at MI9. He basically, I mean, I don't think he made like a ton of money. It's 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 kind of said that he's like pretty, he ended up being kind of poor. He's able yeah. to retire though. And uh, he retired to this town called Ashburton in Devon. He lived there for another five years before he died of a brain hemorrhage at the age of 72. Oh man. I mean, 72. Yeah, 72. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. bad. So it's, it's so interesting, like how he made all of this stuff and like, Monopoly kit was just like the one thing that combined everything that he worked on into a single package that Do he Do you think then... he was like at that place and he just walked by and they had like a Monopoly sitting there and he's like, what's that? What's that? <laughs> I, well, like I said, <laughs> it's, I think he wrote about how, what, it, uh, again, I don't have much in the way of details because official secret is actually really hard to find. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sort of sounds like it was just dumb luck that Waddington had the, the license, had the license for That's Monopoly. crazy. For their part, Hasbro is never one to let credit oh for someone else's invention go unstolen. Oh, Hasbro. <laughs> Uh, after the story became declassified, a spokeswoman said, quote, since Charles Darrow created, that's, those are my air quotes, yeah. <laughs> because uh, he did not, <laughs> created Monopoly in the 1930s, the game has had a rich and interesting story. The use of Monopoly by the British government to sneak maps, money, and supplies to prisoners of war during World War II is a little known but important part of our history. It is not your history. And we knew about it the whole time. (laughs) We are always honored when this iconic game becomes an important part of the fabric of a family's or a country's history and memories. Yep. Christopher Clayton Hutton and the men who worked alongside him eventually inspired Ian Fleming to create the Q department for the James Bond series. I was about to say, the whole thing sounded like that. Yeah, it's, it's very, very James Bond. Old Jimmy Bond. Yeah. Jimmy Bond. Old Jimmy Bond. Old Jimmy Bond. <laughs> and while Cluddy himself could not make the game itself interesting, he at least wrote another <laughs> chapter of its long and storied history. 
using our favorite hobby as a tool to literally fight Nazis. Yeah, dig it. And in the process, becoming a total hero of board game history. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> finally, finally a hero, a hero of board game history. Yay. There, there you go, gentlemen. That is the story of Cluddy. I like that guy. Yeah, he's cool. He's a cool dude. This guy's rad. He, that- if you ever saw a photo of this guy, he's got like the tiniest little round glasses, <laughs> and he he's completely bald, and he does look a little unhinged. I'm not going <laughs> to but That's like crazy. sometimes you need those unhinged people because they're the perfect people to I pull know. that stuff Thank off. Thank goodness those guys didn't have to rely on like me. Yeah. <laughs> they would all know, guys, still sorry. be in prison. Yeah. Every last one of them if yeah. it was my job. I'd be like, let's just airdrop them saws. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if we just dump enough saws on the camp, they can't take they all They can't of them. take them all. Uh, this is the first time that I feel lukewarm about Monopoly, but mm. it is that specific situation. That's the only Monopoly yeah. I'd buy. Turns out you can't get it. Turns out you can't get it. <laughs> a, yeah. a Monopoly that would successfully get me out of a German internment camp. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that is a sure. good Monopoly. And again, like that, I, I touched on a lot of his inventions. I picked my favorite, but there are so many that he had his hands in and like just weird, crazy things. So I'm going to like kind of refer everyone to the show notes this week. There's some cool stuff you can dig in there. You can take a look at not only Hutton, but also all of the other like dudes that he worked with who helped make that project possible. Oh, I bet they made crazy. a ton of cool stuff. Yeah, they made a ton of cool stuff. If you like spy stuff at all, give it a, give it a read through because there's some really neat stuff in there. That's all pretty impressive. It is very <laughs> impressive. This has been such an uplifting episode. Yeah, I feel like I'm ready to fight the Germans now. No, I don't feel like that. I'm... <laughs> I don't think you have to go to Germany to find Nazis anymore. <laughs> Oh, we got to run now. There's a few Nazis around here. Probably. Well, so much feeling uplifted. Uh. So that was episode 46. Yeah. Of oh, and also, in oh. case you think that the good times are gone next, next episode, <laughs> don't worry. I also have a very sweet and uplifting episode. Oh, yeah. Yes. Next episode, Second too. episode, March into Positivity, Right. Everybody. We are in the middle of spring now, and I'm feeling great. And then is it going to be April back to negativity? Yeah. <laughs> April showers, baby. April showers. <laughs> Uh, so if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at randomdrawaboardgamepodcast. Nope. Nope. Randomdrawpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. <laughs> You've got so many allergies right now. Oh I feel my so gosh. bad for you. Yeah, I got some allergies rocking. I'm, we're getting there. Uh, it's, yeah, it's almost Your spring. nose looks redder than normal. I uh, had to rub it with your cloth that you gave me. <laughs> I, all I had was clean towels was, and boiling it was, water. It was... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And now for something completely different. So I'm doing this wedding later, today actually, and I was trying to come up with a good opening line because of course... I'm like, so far, well, it's not a Jewish wedding. Oh, okay. uh, So it's next time. we know? No one's perfect. Do you know what would be real weird? If I was doing a Jewish wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that would be kind of If you were a rabbi. Uh-huh. You make so, your little curls. Just shave your head. It's I was going to say, it explains the, the curls for currently growing in your hair. I do have long enough hair that if I like shaved the, re- like cut the rest of it and left my, I think they're called payouts, then I could sure. actually have them. I mean, we got curling iron. We, we can, can we can make it happen. We have the technology, yeah. uh, but we'll I'm trying to think permanent. of an opening line. And of course, I'm standing up there. Everyone's like super far away from each other. It's weird. There's like speckles of people like spread out. Everyone's wearing masks. And so, tell me if you think this is a terrible line. Yes. Okay. It's so nice to see everyone's smiling eyebrows. I mean, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, let's workshop it a little <laughs> bit, buddy. Let's workshop it a little bit. <laughs> I was just trying to come up with something to reference like this is not normal. Like this is sort of weird, 
But at the same time, like, I'm still happy we're all here and we get to do this, I guess. I don't know, man. Like, it sounds, see, that's the kind of joke that, like, a guy who bought some Yeezys who was, like, preaching to kids would make. Like a cool, like a cool preacher. Well, that's yeah. definitely not me then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I wear cool slipper guy. Crocs. <laughs> yeah, easy slipper Crocs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as they're like twenty bucks, sure. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like that joke. We could workshop it a little bit. Well, I I've we just been thinking about this concept lately because like eyebrows have become way more important. Mm-hmm. Since mask use became a thing, and I wonder if we could start using terminology we use for mouth and lip, like. Mm, and then she bit her smoldering eyebrows. No. Like it doesn't quite work. No, no that not doesn't at all. work. It doesn't. No, it doesn't work at all. Work. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like close to working. Yeah, I like uh, the idea of furring your eyebrows together so that they resembled cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, it's just hairy cleavage. You just oh. <laughs> you never there. Have to. See, this is why it's a bad idea, Dave. Yes. I could just take my shirt off and show you that. <laughs> That is still allowed. I can have my shirt off. I just can't have to wear a mask. <laughs> that mask on. Not a big deal. That's fun. This uh, is the second wedding I'm wearing a mask during. It's just a completely different mask. Yeah. We yeah. didn't care about you. You should make diseases. this like a side hustle. You should just go around the country marrying people. Masked what? Wa- the masked wedding. Oh, nice. <laughs> the mas- I'm not the masked wedding singer. Yeah. The you wedding. could be. Why not? Give it the a shot. The masked wedding officiant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like that I don't have to wear lipstick anymore. I mean, I didn't before, but I still don't now. But now I know I'm not. Yeah, now I know I don't have to. (laughs) Now I don't even have to put in my contract anymore. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. We watched The Masked Singer and The Masked Dancer. I've seen a couple episodes of The Masked Singer. It's fine. Candy made me watch a couple episodes, but I'm not huge into singing shows in general. I like the dancing show more than the singing show. But then they like started like showing who the people were, and I didn't know who any of them were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really get this show. These aren't exactly. celebrities. Yeah, Who like, is that? Like the one guy that it was awesome, my favorite throughout the whole show, he was like a professional dancer from Dancing with the Stars. Okay, like, well, that makes sense then. Yeah, I was like, but oh, all right. Like, of course he's going to cream everybody. He didn't win. What? You know, How's that work? Gabby Douglas won. I don't Who's know Gabby who that Douglas? is either. She's a gymnast. <laughs> oh, that Gabby Douglas. Who I wouldn't know by sight. Other than they were like, oh, Olympic gold medalist Gabby Douglas. And, oh, then, and then you showed said, her, oh, that Gabby Douglas. They showed her on like doing gymnastics things. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh. Oh, that makes sense now. I only have like enough space in my brain to keep track of one gymnast at a time. Yeah. We were trying to name ice skaters too. And I could name like Tara Lipinski. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like Michelle Kwan. See, Scott I'm always, Hamilton back I, in the day. Yeah. I'm always yeah. plus or minus like four. Five Olympians, and yeah. I think they start to leave. Like uh, whatever, Greg Leganis was probably. Uh, it's weird that that's the one I glommed onto. Yeah. as well. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. Like, there's certain ones that stick out in your head, but like, I don't. I love the Olympics. I watch I do too. I watch a lot. I know a lot more Olympians during an Olympic year mm-hmm. because, that like, makes it, sense to it's me. always. But then the year after, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I had a trading card of Greg Leganis. Whoa, it was really cool. Was it when he hit his noodle on the thing? No, it was like he was like, I just remember him like standing on the side of the board. And it was like the first time I can ever remember admiring a male body because he was like, (laughs) he's so cut. He was so lean. And as a chubby fat kid in Oklahoma, I was like, like, I'll never look like that. I'll never look like Greg. And you know what? You know what, Mark? Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You do not look like that. Exactly. And I now know that you'll never uh, admire my body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. listen. Until you look like Greg Luganis. Well, I will not. (laughs) Yeah, we're all past that part. Like head wound and all or head wound and all or just regular? Just Olympic style. Just don't, don't, maybe don't hit your head. I got nothing. Don't hit your head. 
So I went to the uh, United States Postal Service today. I did too. Tell me about your Postal Service experience. Mine was fine. I almost exclusively go to the Millsboro Post Office or the Lewis Post Office. So guys, if you're looking for Dan. If you're looking for me, (laughs) Post Office, because they are the ones that give me the least amount of crack for Mm -hmm. dropping off 20 boxes. Yeah. I recommend uh, Nassau. No, that's the one I meant, not Lewis. Okay, yeah, not yeah. Lewis. I don't drive all the way to downtown Lewis. That, this that is like clerk in there is talk. so stinking nice. The blonde haired lady? Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. And yep. I was like, I was, was like pushing, clear. I was like pushing boxes off her table. They were my boxes, but I like <laughs> needed to put more boxes on there. And it was like falling. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's fine. Yeah. It's like, okay. It was clear that I had no idea what I was doing. And I like, because I had like this Weiss tote full of stuff that I was shipping to Maine for yeah. Jamie. And I was like, all right, I need to send this all. And she's like, all right, cool. Well, you're going to want a box big enough to fit it in. I was like, all right, excellent. I can get that. <laughs> that is advice that makes sense to Solid me. Advice. And she's like, well, just make sure it's like not bigger than you have to because that factors into how much it costs to sure. ship. And I was like, okay, cool. So is it, would it be better to do two smaller boxes or is it one, one, one box? And she's like, just do one box, but make sure it's like as small as possible. Everyone like at that games. point, I, I'm that guy in the line who's like assembling a box in oh, front of no. everybody. Yeah, you're the worst. And that line gets going. It does. People were so annoyed. Yeah, and so like I'm annoyed listening to the story. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to put together this box and they have these self-sealing tapes, self-sealing boxes at the yep. postal service that you can buy. So I was like, all right, cool. And she's like, she's like why don't you just like step off to the yeah, side why don't and I'll you take get out of the way here, buddy. I have to assemble this box in the middle of the lobby. And it's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to me in a long time <laughs> because it's clear to everyone there that I'm, it's just giving me a hard terrible do you have no idea how to assemble boxes is that what's going on there's a four-step process to assembling this box does it it have directions like lego yeah well (laughs) (laughs) they were like ikea style like (laughs) technically drawn it's like a whole booklet and it's like if you're having trouble call this number yeah (laughs) no no i don't so i i like realize i put the tape on the bottom wrong and like at that point it's just a disaster because now i've taped over the blue seam tape. There's like four different places for tape on this box. And I've accidentally taped over two of them. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to get another box. And she's like, well, I hate to say it, honey, we're going to have to charge you for that box. And I was like, all right, that's, I guess (laughs) that's fair. That's fair. fair. So I got another box and I followed the instructions and like, I like flip it over and I knock over an entire rack of pamphlets. Oh my God. All over the floor. And then at that point, people in line are laughing. Like (laughs) they've seen me have to buy a new box and they've seen me like knock over a whole rack of pamphlets. So I've got like change of address forms everywhere. I've got literally oh my god it's so embarrassing i get meeting red in the face thinking about it i've got like little like here's what the postal service can do for you they have like advertisements for their forever stamps like i've knocked those onto the floor (laughs) and i just want to die like i told i told jackie i was like if it wasn't for your sister i would have just left the box there and the box and all the stuff yeah yeah, yeah. i don't don't need this anymore i don't care where it goes So, and to her, to her credit, she's just like, it's fine, honey. It happens all the time. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. You lie. This is- you lie. <laughs> <laughs> this is just for me. So I like pick up all the pamphlets and I like kind of <laughs> put them together as best I can. And then I finally get the box sealed. And then I realize I've, I'm completely incapable of writing like an address on a box now because I haven't <laughs> done it in years. Yeah. 30 minutes later, I get the, <laughs> the boxes ready for shipping. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, it was awful. It was a terrible experience. Well, that's like, so I went to this other post office, and I only had like seven boxes. And mm-hmm. I do all, I pay all my shipping at home, and I just attach the label. I just bring it to the dude. All I have to do is scan it, put it in the back, and then whatever happens from there. But it's not like labor intensive for yeah. them. 
And this guy was like totally giving me guff. Like, oh, you should go to if you live in Millsboro, you should go to the Millsboro post office. And I was like, well, that's not a rule. But like, like yeah. really? Because it seems like I live in America. Yeah. I and think, I should be able to go know, to a post office. Any post office. <laughs> and, and all you have to do is scan this stuff. But yeah. he's like exasperated. So today I what meant to take a bunch of stuff yesterday and it didn't happen. And then we sold more stuff last night. So then I like added more stuff. So I had three pack like three of those canvas carriers filled with, filled with boxes. It had mm-hmm. to be like 15 boxes and packages. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be like, I'm going to get, they're going to complain. And I put it on there. She didn't say anything, but now I've started using this eBay tape mm-hmm. that I get, you get free from eBay if you have a store. And then like a guy in the line like, oh, selling on eBay? Like, shut up, sir. Like, <laughs> like, like I, I don't want to talk to you about this. You. Like, <laughs> just shut, just stand in line and shut up. <laughs> Sometimes I forget how much you hate other humans. <laughs> It's just and like, interacting with it's them. just like sometimes it's fine. But like in that situation, I'm trying not to be a pain to this lady. I'm trying mm-hmm. to like just keep it smooth. And this guy's like, oh, I don't oh, need oh. running commentary for the yeah, like, gallery. Like, I should have just turned and said, no, why? Why do you say that? <laughs> no, this I, is just my favorite tape. Yeah, it's yeah. just good tape. I actually mugged somebody for this tape. <laughs> he had a store and then I robbed it. I don't need your com. And then we were at a store and there was like an elderly gentleman in front of us and he just wanted to talk to the cashier. Mm-hmm. Only one cashier, a line a million miles wrong. Yeah. This old dude just wants to have a conversation about like 1963 camouflage pants. <laughs> and it's just like, sir, he's like, you never find the tops. Like, sir, you've already paid. Like, just go away. Like, it was so, yeah. and he was like making jokes. And then I get up to the register and the guy at the register is like, I have no idea what that guy was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. I he just needed to yeah. talk. He just wanted yeah. to talk. He was lonely. I get it. It's like sucks now. It's hard, man. It's like, a hard life. But also don't make it harder for everyone else. But also this poor dude's probably not getting paid very much. And the line's out the stinking door. Like, they need to have like a trap door <laughs> where somebody's just, just push a button and he goes. Yeah. And then it's like a slide and then you just slide out of the building. <laughs> yeah. You slide out and the door locks behind you so you can't come back in. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Sure. You've had your time. Yep. I would love to present that idea to a legal department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just All right. Right, guys <laughs> roll with me on this i'm gonna need you to be flexible it's there's gonna a, be padded there's a lot of padding so they don't get hurt yeah and it's <laughs> sure, fun sure. it's fun and you know what like if you're ready for it just tell me and i'll hit the button and then yeah. you can slide out the building we'll try it they had a water park like that oh my god did you, did you watch you that, that thing on netflix it was insane oh no okay oh. all right so i actually went down it like oh no there was like a i want to say it was it like over Jersey? in bush gardens oh they had like this whole thing it's like a little chamber you get inside the chamber and like they have this whole deal where like they're just like, all right, we're gonna put you down the slide, and then they pull a lever, and then the floor drops out from under you, and you just slide down the slide. That sounds fun. Oh, it's very fun. It's also very dangerous because yeah. like the girl, three people before me, like just smashed her head on oh, the no. on the chamber as she was going oh. out. Yeah, it wasn't like there there wasn't any blood. No, I watched. <laughs> she didn't. Greg Luganis. <laughs> it wasn't a shit. We. <laughs> <laughs> we watched circle. this show on Netflix. It was like Adventure Park or something like that, but it was about this like water park in the 70s in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Action Park. Action Park. That's what it was. <laughs> and like the guys that designed all the rides were not like engineers. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like, so like everything was like really shoddily made and uh-huh. like super dangerous. And they kept getting sued, and the guy just like it didn't care. Like he wouldn't pay. 
damages. <laughs> it was, it was like, very funny. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. I assembled a water park out of connects and a garden And hose. all these, yeah. all the kids that went there in the seventies was like, yeah, we loved it. You know, it was crazy dangerous, but we loved it there. The only thing, <laughs> the only thing keeping any of us together is audacity. Yeah. <laughs> should we do a show? Let's we do, should a show. do a show. Dave, what time do you have to do your wedding? The wedding starts at four. Oh, hello. So I'm supposed to be there before that. Yeah. Yeah. Three fifty-five ish. Yeah, you want to give him a good 20-minute buffer. <laughs> right, well, it's funny because I asked him. I was like, oh, so the wedding starts at 4. And I was like, okay, well, what time do you want me to be here? And they were like, before that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Game over, man. Game over.